Hey, welcome to the 311th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes I talk about movies. I often talk about comic books. I'm uh, recently just talking about the John Romita, Stan Lee era of Amazing Spider-Man. I'm, I'm probably going to still do that, but I might do an off my mind. There's a topic that's been like heavy on my mind, so I might interrupt the Spider-Man discussion to do that maybe this week or probably soon. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. What is on for this episode? The movie feature is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Now, the strange thing about this is, so this movie has been out it's it's weird because so it, it came out what on the second I believe I totally missed when it came out because like last week I watched Oppenheimer because I didn't think anything was opening so I think I might have looked like Thursday night Friday somehow I must have missed it so I went and saw Ninja Turtles uh, so you can hear about that what are my thoughts um, also I'm, I'm I'm struggling with this uh, I I've been wanting to watch Twisted Metal so I think I may have mentioned that before. They dropped, I think they dropped all the episodes, I think it was the 27th of, uh, of, of July, and that was during Comic-Con, wasn't it? Or no, maybe, was it that weekend? Or I don't remember when it was. I'm not going to look it up right this second. It was either in, in San Diego or I was in Colorado. It might have been the week before. And Peacock decided to drop all the episodes at once. I'm just like, well, I guess I'm not covering it then. I started watching it just because with a crowded room and hijack ending last week, I was like, well, I need to talk about something because it's just going to be animated shows, which is fine. But I was only able to watch a couple episodes. So we'll talk about those two. I don't, I, I feel weird. Like if I do two episodes per week for, that'll be like five weeks. Like I'm pretty sure there's 10 episodes. I just feel like it's so after the fact, but maybe that's okay with you. I, I really don't know. So uh, any feedback would, would be great. Or, you know, maybe I can try to, you know, squeeze in three episodes or something like that. We'll, we'll see. And um, yeah, other than that, it's, you know, Harley Quinn. We'll do a couple more episodes this week. And then I think we'll just go down to one per week. And I might be like half a week behind or something like that. And then My Adventures with Superman. So we'll, I'm a week behind with that. And I think, I don't know, I, I honestly don't know how many episodes are in the season. Because I thought there's only six, but I think... Pretty sure it's seven. We'll, we'll get back to that. But let's uh, get into the news before we talk about comics. All right, not there's actually not a lot of news this week, and I again I know I said that before, but but there there's not. Uh, let's see, like Variety. So Wonder Woman three. What the heck is going on? Variety says that it's not in development, and there's no plans beyond uh, the Max prequel series Paradise Lost. I I don't know what 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 to make of this because Gal Gadot actually said that you know she's talked to James Gunn and Peter Safran and you know it's in development or something like that and you know she says she's met with them and and she even she said it again I, I think it was Flaunt magazine she just did like an, an interview and like photo spread or something like that 
and and she like talks about like the meeting and everything like that. But apparently, there's nothing. I I I don't know who to believe. Usually, at at this point, you know, Peter Gunn or Peter Gunn, <laughs> uh, James Gunn usually steps in and and you know verifies things. But he he has said that you know he he can't do everything. So maybe there is still something, but they're not ready to discuss it. And, you know, maybe she's not supposed to be saying anything yet. He has. Um, they, you know, they did say early on that like a lot of some of the actors will be returning possibly in different roles, you know, so like, you know, Henry Cavill could come back as someone else. So maybe Gal Gadot could come back as someone else. But I, I still say, you know, she should be Wonder Woman. Could there be someone else that could play Wonder Woman? Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, it's possible. There, there's always someone, you know, and I, as I mentioned several times, I'm horrible with knowing who, you know, actors' names or anything. And there could be someone unknown, or maybe there's someone that has done so much stuff that I've never even thought about. But I, I still, there's something about Gal Gadot, and I, I know some people don't like her, or whatever, or don't say she can't act. Or I, there's, she's just, she has embraced that role uh, she's made it her own and I, w- I wouldn't mind you know if if she did it again but there, there's no telling i also saw something about melissa benoist apparently would would love to return and play supergirl as well you know she's like you know waiting to hear but who who knows you know there's been no mention that it kind of feels like they want to steer clear of stuff that has been done like that is even though we're, we're talking about gal gadot and, and that but it seems like they want to steer clear of the, the CW stuff because there was there was a rumor about Grant Gustin coming in as a Flash, and I guess it started because James Gunn started following Grant Gustin, and he finally because uh, I heard that there was something like maybe he was going to voice like an animated version of, of the Flash and something, you know they weren't really planning on live action at this point, but James Gunn kind of cleared it. He's he's like no, we started talking about something i forgot what it was you know just totally unrelated he's like he was you know i i think he's a great actor so i just you know we were getting friendly so i just you know i realized i wasn't following him so so there's that but with melissa benoist i mean she did such a great job as supergirl you know she she really again she made the role too it's just unfortunate that the writing on the show wasn't always the best. And and I, I never watched the last season, maybe the last season and a half. I feel guilty. I feel like I should watch it because I think it's on, on Netflix. You know, I had them on my DVR for the longest time. Then at some point I'm like, well, these are probably going to be on Netflix. So I can probably delete these, clear up my DVR. So I, I think I think she's, she, it would be great. Uh, but who knows? And, you know, there's uh, Sasha Kaye. She was great too. So it's it, it's tough, you know. I guess it really depends on on the direction you want to go. Do you want to do this uh, flash flashpoint version that we already saw, or do you want to go more traditional? Because again, I believe Supergirl should be closer, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever. That being said, I t- absolutely love Sasha Kai's pr- portrayal in the Flash. Hypocrite much? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. So you know, I, I it's a toss up. I, I would if, if if anyone, I would love either either one. I would love to see one of the two in some sort of live action flash. If they're trying to go the Tom King story, which I wasn't super crazy about that miniseries, it seems like they should go with a more traditional, just be based on the. I don't know. So this is why it's a good thing I'm not in charge of stuff like that, but who knows? Uh, Sydney Sweeney, 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 is it Sweeney or Sweeney? 
Uh, so for, for you, pre- you may know her from Euphoria if you watch that. I, I tried watching that show. I, only, I think I only watched one episode, maybe two. I don't even remember. Uh, but I, 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 people love the show. The kids shouldn't be watching it, as far as I know. But she's going to be in this Madam Web movie. Who the heck is she playing? You know, we, we don't know. And I think they're kind of done filming with it because it's supposed to come out, I think, next year. And I was wondering, like, where, where is this going to happen? And I think there's been speculation as to, you know, there, I think there's been some images, whatever, released or, you know, not official images. But apparently she, um, I think she confirmed it to Variety that she's playing, spoiler, if, if you don't want to know, but here it comes. She's going to be playing Julia Carpenter. And I am, I'm totally on board with that. I, I think Julia Carpenter is, is a cool character. It seems weird to have Julia Carpenter before Jessica Drew. I would love to see Jessica Drew, you know, Spider-Woman in something. Uh, maybe not that costume. I, I don't know. That's the touchy subject. But I, I think it'd be cool. So we had, you know, Dakota Johnson as a younger Madam Web. And then Julia Carpenter as uh, Sydney Sweeney. I don't know why it doesn't seem... I don't think it's Sweetie. I'm not going to pause and look it up. Uh, there was a the total rumor, and I, I don't think that this is true, but that, the, you know, how someone... I don't remember who it was. I, I would love to give credit to whoever fabricated... If this is, like, made up, I, I actually kind of... I kind of sort of like this, even though it's kind of cheesy. But there, there was a rumor that this was going to be different from you know other superhero movies. That it was actually kind of like a time caper or something like that. Which you got Loki in that, but not that's not what this is. Where apparently because of the web of life or the spider web, whatever thing, they have to. They're on a mission to go back in time to save or protect a young Peter Parker so he can you know grow up and become Spider Man and and do awesome things like that. It, that might be kind of weird, but it could explain, okay, well, why aren't these characters in the regular Marvel universe, or why haven't we seen them, or whatever. And it has to be other tr- tricky things. If they're going to do this, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, Julia Carpenter exists in the MCU. It's that, that whole weird thing. I, 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 I don't understand. But I, I, I hope this movie is going to be good. And two movies about heroes don't do Morbius or Craven the Hunter or who, who is there someone else? Wait, I thought they were doing someone else besides, oh, no, not Rhino. Who else are they doing besides Craven the Hunter? No one? Oh, uh, uh, who's that wrestling guy? Oh, um, I don't remember. I don't even know if that movie's still happening. Uh, Superman and Lois. <laughs> this is like so non-news. Guess what? It's being delayed. Duh. Uh, so originally, I, I don't buy this. They said originally it was set for 2023-2024 TV season. Unless they're including like from, you know, September to June, like kind of like the school year thing. No. If anything, the, the Superman Lois has always been like a spring release, you know, like the whatever mid-season show. But now they're saying with the delays, with the strike and everything like that, it's getting pushed further and further into 2024. So it might not be, it could be like a year until we see it. I mean, who, who knows? I would say once you get it going, if the strike ever gets resolved, if it's like July, man, show, just, just, who cares? Do Because well, then people are like, oh, I'm on vacation. I can't watch it. Or networks like no one's going to watch TV because it's summer. I don't know. I think that that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Speaking of crazy. So Dwayne Johnson, he, he's like, he's so, he's kind of baffled about why 
Black Adam didn't get a, a, a sequel. He, he thinks it's because it got caught in that web of new leadership. There's like, I think he said there's like a, a vortex or a cyclone or something like that. You know, there's all, all these changes in, in, you know, different people in, in charge. And he, you know, he's like, I understand. You know, it all comes down to the bottom line or thing, but... You know, it was well received by audiences, and which was it really? I mean, I, I guess it, it has an audience score, but the thing is, the movie only made three hundred ninety-three point three million dollars worldwide, unless I I looked at the wrong place. Three hundred ninety-three, not even four hundred million dollars worldwide. The movie cost two hundred and ten million to make, and then you figure like at least like eighty million or so. To, to promote it and you know, all that stuff. So you're looking at almost like 300 million. And, you know, they always say movies need to make three times the budget in order to be profitable. And this is, it, it, no, it's not. It's not profitable. It's not a success. It, it just, I, I love, I love Dwayne Johnson. His movies are, are a blast. I did not love this movie. I have zero desire to ever watch this movie again. It's streaming on Max. I don't want to watch it again. I could barely watch it once. Uh, he's just, I don't even know where the whole idea of him being Black Adam came from. He shouldn't be Black Adam. He should be someone else. Black Adam, yes, he's a muscular dude. He do doesn't have Dwayne Johnson physique. Dwayne Johnson is too muscular. That's not who who Black Adam is. And, and then the fact is, you know, Black Adam should have an accent. He he spoke just like you know Dwayne. There's no attempt, which is maybe that's for the best because if Dwayne Johnson's like I, I'm not going to do an accent, fine, great, but it makes absolutely no sense that you have this dude who was you know from the whatever ancient times and then he gets resurrected and present and he's just hey, do you smell what the Black Adam is cooking? I don't know. And you know, and people are complaining about like how DC, you know, Warner Brothers know what they're doing because the whole thing is they promised Henry Cavill, you know, that he would be back. It's like no, Warner Brothers never promised him anything. They never made a deal. Uh, Black Dwayne jo Black Adam, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, he's the one that that pushed for Henry Cavill to you know make his little cameo and saying that he's back and everything. It's like no, because Dwayne Johnson thought that may may. <laughs> I feel like I'm being mean. I don't. I don't want to be mean, but I, I feel like maybe he realizes, like, well, you know, early buzz about the movie isn't great. Maybe if we start like pushing a sequel, because you know we knew about this whole Henry Cavill stuff like before the movie even came out, which sucked. But maybe you know by saying it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna do a sequel. It's gonna be Black Adam versus Henry Cavill Superman. So we need this movie to do awesome. So they'll green light a sequel, and we can have that. It was never going to happen. It was never official. Um, speaking of not official either, uh, David Ayer, he, he was talking about Suicide Squad and, you know, there's a release to Ayer cut because, you know, he's saying that the Suicide Squad movie, that that wasn't his movie, that they made cuts on, uh, uh, on it. And that he, there was like other things that he did and, and stuff like that. Apparently, he kind of teased that maybe James Gunn will release the Ayer cut of that of that um which would be weird because you know so that would mean you know james gunn trying to spearhead this new continuity you know moving forward and stuff like that kind of like you know not necessarily embracing what we have currently just because so many people are, are so hardcore about that and and i agree that 
yeah, in some cases, no matter how great Henry Cavill is awesome, you got to cut some ties. And I, I, I still think there's more to the Henry Cavill stuff. I, I don't. I feel like we're not getting the whole, whole story there. But I, I think the what they're kind of insinuating is that you know people kind of get that not everything is in the same universe. That you know you can have you know the fact that we have the Batman and we have the Joker these movies that are, are not in regular continuity, no one has a problem with that. No one's confused. And, and I think people kind of get it. You know, you just, just make it clear. And if you release this, because I, I, I know, you know, David Ayer has been talking about this, you know, for, for a longest time. I feel bad for him. And he said, you know, it wouldn't be that, wouldn't cost that much to finish it, to, to make it releasable. So who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see, I, I guess. Uh, rumor, who knows about this? Apparently, Disney's like kind of they're not sure what to do with Star Wars, they're kind of rethinking everything. And apparently, the total rumor is that Mandalorian season four might end up being a movie instead of a Disney Plus series. I, I why I don't know what the difference is. Does that mean a bigger budget? Uh, I mean, it means a shorter story, you know, if you're talking two hours ish versus six hours, seven hours, you know, however long, you know, so I, I, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, are, are the, are the shows not doing well? I mean, are they not profitable? I mean, aren't people subscribing for, for this stuff? I really don't know. And just people so angry is people just want to tear everything down. Like, Oh, secret invasion is doing bad. Ha <laughs> ha. It's like, no, that's not funny. That means that we're going to get nothing. Uh, Stephen Amell, this should be like a non-story, but I'm I'm gonna mention bring it up. He he joined a picket line in New York. You know he's he has he what he said was kind of taken out of context when you know it came out that he said that he's against strikes or that the strikes bad, but he's he says no. You know he's believes in his union. He's he's backs them up and he agrees with the cause, but he feels that going on strike is kind of like our last resort that it's not the most efficient way to, to handle things. But at the same time, when the, the parties, when whatever the one party in, in, in power, when they're refusing to even talk to even, you know, make any sort of negotiation concessions or anything like that, you have no choice. And, you know, or we'll still have to see it's been what over a hundred days. I don't even know. And, you know, we're going to start to feel it. What, what are they going to do? You know, just do these the boards of people, these powers, these CEOs, do they have to answer to anyone? Do they have to answer to boards? But when it gets to the point where we're starting to have, like, no new releases in theater, you know, they're pushing things back. They still have a lot of stuff in the can that they can still sprinkle out. But even so, when you're doing that, you're releasing the stuff without promotion. You can't get the actors to promote it. That is huge. It does not matter how awesome something is. If you don't have that them promoting it, it's going to get lost in, in, in the shuffle. That's why so many things are, are getting pushed back. I, I really, 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 really hope that Blue Beetle will do well. One, I hope it's a good movie. But two, I, I hope, I mean, if it is, even if it's like a decent movie, I hope people go and see it and support it. Because, you know, not just because, I mean, well, part of it, because it's it's a Latino character. And, and uh, while that's not like my fighting, you know, whatever, you know, soapbox or mount, dying on a mountain or whatever thing, uh, you know, I, I do feel it's important. You know, it's, it's not like my number one priority that I want to see a Latino 
superhero, but I, I do feel, feel it is important for the Latino community. And I, I think there's, there's a lot of people, a lot of young people and everything that, that could, could, would love this. It would be in awe. And I, I feel it is so important. So while it, again, it's not a personal thing, I can see that it could be such a huge deal, make a, a world of difference to, to a lot of people. And I just, I really, so, you know, that's going to be the feature next week. I really hope you plan on seeing it, supporting it. You know, maybe if you're like, well, I haven't gone to movies in a while, but give this movie a chance. You know, or just, just you know, buy a ticket if you don't want to go. And just, you know, instead of buying a Starbucks coffee, buy a movie ticket. And if you don't feel like sitting in a theater, you know, that's okay. But just support this, this movie. So, And then uh, the last bit of news, not really news. Uh, I was kind of bummed. So The Fall of the House of Usher is on Netflix. So this is uh, Mike Flanagan. Who who did uh is this his last Netflix one? Because isn't he going somewhere else? Isn't he going? I forget if he's going uh, Warner Brothers or somewhere or for Paramount. I don't know. But so he did uh The Haunting of House Hill. He did Midnight Mass. Uh, he's 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 done all these like horror shows and they're so freaking everything like that. So we got The Fall of the House of Usher, a wicked horror series based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe, ruthless siblings Roderick and Madeline Usher have built. Uh, Fortunato Pharmaceuticals into an empire of wealth, privilege, and power. But past secrets come to light when the heirs to the Usher dynasty start dying at the hands of a mysterious woman from their youth. (laughs) I got the Usher song in my my head. Uh, So Thursday, October 12th is when it starts. Eight episodes and... um, you know, there's Bruce Greenwood, Carla Gugino, Mary McDonald, uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, just to see who else is there that I, that I know. It's just a bunch of people in here. Um, Annabeth, Annabeth Gish sounds familiar. And uh, the, the problem is there's no trailer. We, so we get the poster and we, we get like first look images. We, we get some still shots. Still shots don't really say much to me. So I, I was hoping it was it was a trailer, but we have that to look forward to. So at least there's there's that that coming out. Of course, they're gonna drop all episodes at once. But but uh, anyways, that's gonna be it for the news this week. All right, with comic books at Image Comic, uh, there was this this comic called Enfield Gang Massacre. So this is by Chris Condon and uh, Jacob Phillips. So it says uh, that Texas Blood Duo returns to Ambrose County, Texas with an all-new miniseries set 150 years in the past. Gunslinging action meets dark frontier drama in this original Western thriller as Montgomery Enfield and his gang of outlaws find themselves in a crosshair of an aging Texas ranger and a newborn county and a newborn county that's hungry for law. So here's a part where I'm like, curse you, Tony. Because I, I started reading it. I, I think I'm like maybe seven or eight pages in. And then it's like one of those things, I, I, I thought I read it because then I was like, oh, I need to read this and I need to read this. And then as I'm thinking back, just like now, I was like, wait, did I finish reading it? I just opened it up. Like, no, I didn't finish it. So it, it is cool from what I have read. It's, it's kind of cool. I'm not like the biggest Western fan, but I do like a good Western. And there's it's it's so weird to think of having a western comic and and sometimes it's successful you know i love the jonah hex stuff that jimmy palmi Palmiotti and justin gray did 
I think it can be tricky. You know, a lot depends on the visual. And it, going back to the Jonah Hex, they had so many different artists, and it, it all worked. You know, it's, I, I think it's really about the coloring that can make or break a Western comic. So you should definitely uh, check check that out. So that that was um, it looks cool, and I, I do um, intend to to finish that. Then there's a uh, I will haunt you to the end. So this is a third issue. Now. When the second issue came out, it was one of those, stupidly, I, I forgot to, to read it. So I did read the second issue and the third issue before reading this. So this is um, a Top Cow book, which uh, that kind of makes me sad because I don't read a lot of Top Cow stuff. I, I'm not just like on the radar. And it's weird because, you know, it comes out through Image, even though it's Top Cow and all that. This, uh, as I talked about when the first issue came out, it's like in this kind of little far off future uh, climate you know crisis and and resources are, are stretched there's this rich dude he wants to go to this island and you know it's supposed to be like this haunted place and stuff like that so he brings his crew with him like a guy reporter he brings like pure skeptic but he's like he needs the money so he's like okay fine i'll, I'll do this and report on it and the, the, the dude rich dude knows that he's a skeptic and that's kind of why why he chose him and you know he's he's brought some other people and and there's definitely like stuff going on on this island but as we're we're seeing now who the people that he's bringing you know they may have their own agendas and, and stuff like that you know so there's like this mercenary you know team that he has for protection there's this uh priest that was there before you know he arrived like before the the main group did there's this like doctor woman who uh i think that the rich dude like paid off hers like student loan type of thing and so kind of like she owes him so she has to come and, and stuff like that but there's like definitely some some stuff going on and uh yeah there's definitely ulterior motives and everything so it's it's, it's pretty interesting we have kaya issue 10 it's crazy that this is the 10th issue so Kaya and her um, her brother Jin, they've been separated. You know, Jin's been taken away, and you know he's he has to be protected. He's like supposed to be wasn't he supposed to be like a, a prince or something like that? And so Kaya's like trying to search for him. You know, she doesn't have her her like mechanical arm and everything like that. Jin's like seeing going through like these hallucinations, like he's like somewhere else, and and he's like I got to turn into a dragon and whatever escape. And so um, yeah, so it's it's a it's it's a lot of fun just this alternate you know fantasy world or whatever you want to call it and so I'm, I'm just really getting into like the adventure aspect of it so so I, I i like that until tales of i hate fairyland issue two um so so my thoughts on this you know it's it's fun going back and seeing gert younger you know back then the, the problem is it's not like the it's not scotty young writing but they they do a good job and it's not like our regular art so uh sometimes it can be a I don't necessarily want to say abrasive, but sometimes it's like, ooh, this is not the style that I, I'm, I'm expecting or that I want. But there's some some good stories here, and uh, you know, seeing like we, we find out oh, what's her Claudia, Claudia, uh, the, the former queen. Um, there's some interesting stuff with her and that. So uh, it's it's definitely. Um, it, I mean, I, I think I would have to say I, I enjoyed this this issue more than I did the first issue. Because the first one, I'm like, why is this, you know, why is this out here? Do we need this? Blah, blah, blah. But it's it's, it's fine. It, it, it's enjoyable. Then there is a Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, so this is issue 31, but technically it's also issue 925. So the main, you know, there, there's different stories, obviously. The main story is about uh, Randy Robertson's wedding 
to Beetle to Tombstone's daughter. So is that going to happen? You know, Peter is the best man and stuff like that. You know, that's it's by Zeb Wells. John Romita Jr. does a lot of the art. Emilio Laiso, Laiso does that. So, you know, we could see like kind of like the, the bachelor party, bachelor party, whatever, stuff like that. And um, then comes to the wedding. Will we have a wedding go down without a hitch? Uh, that's the, the big, big question. Throughout this, I see. Was it this? I don't think it was this story. Uh, there's a. I guess we'll say there's a because Felicia Hardy ends up showing up at the bachelorette party and and you know she starts like thinking about her her and Peter's relationship. So you know there might be something there to is is, is a big deal. There's also a story which seems like kind of sudden. Spider Man and Kamala Khan talk and you know she mentioned several times you know she's i gotta get back to the x-men now you know she's saying that he's like you don't have to say that all the time and she's like in her new x-men outfit but they they kind of talk about because you know she he basically fills her in on how she died because she doesn't have she doesn't know what happened when you know mutants die it it's their memories is it's from the last backup and so cerebro does these backups every few days or whatever and um, so she didn't know what happened. So he basically tells her, spoiler, okay, here's a spoiler. He also basically, he, he tells her, he decides to, to tell her who he is. And he's like, I don't normally do this unless it's, you know, a kid with a, you know, dying ailment or whatever. And then she's like, it's like, I worked with you and everything like that. So it was like, we were both, you know, working at Osborne Industries for the same. And he's like, well, not quite, whatever. There's a, a Doc Ock story. Um, which is a, it's it's a short shorter story, but it's I think it's like a three three page story leading into Superior Spider Man stuff. There's a kind of like not necessarily heartbreaking, but it's kind of hard story uh, with Mary Jane and Paul. So I, I I'm not a fan of Paul, obviously, but there there's stuff them dealing with the fact that they lost their kids and you know they weren't really were they ever actually I, I don't know if I should spoil that in case you're you're not caught up, but it's like. Uh, the, the fact that they're gone you know they, they raise these two kids in this other world and what's you know what's going on there um, Mary Jane or Felicia also comes by with a costume for for Mary Jane which we're gonna see uh, coming up there's a interesting there's a, a spider woman story you know she shows up at the bar with no name I don't know where this is going to continue into but she's definitely on a mission so uh, to be continued spider woman number one so she's getting a new series there's there's like something huge happening here so so that that's uh a big major problem for her. Something's coming up. There was a, a Dan Slott story. I kind of started skimming through this. Um, well, so we, we have, it looks like it was like one of the Spider-Verse things because uh, Stately Stillwell Manor up in Westchester County, New York. Because there's this woman and she has like, her servants are like animals, like human humanized animals and stuff like that. So then I'm like, wait, is this... Because they, they talk about some dude who... The, the lady ends up talking to her daughter. So one of her brothers created the scorpion with it. It's like, as seen in Amazing Spider-Man 20. So I'm like... And then there's this other guy that created the human fly in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 10. So I was like, is this all like spider, you know, Spider-Verse alternate Earth stuff? But this has something to do with uh, Spider-Boy. So we'll see about that. Then there's a... Uh, there's a kind of fun story about this random dude at, at uh, Superhero Battles. I, I won't spoil that. And then there's a Spider-Man Lucy Goosey <laughs> story. And then uh, stuff about Craven. 
who I guess is coming up in the next issue. And I don't care about Craven. And then, uh, oh, then there's uh, something about the most notorious Spider-Man story ever told returns. I must have missed the first one because this is like two because I, I, I got a press release about that. But so it, it was um, it was a decent anniversary issue. Hit or miss. There's some misses for me personally, but other people might appreciate it. Uh, then there's uh, Avengers number four. So the Avengers are, you know, just trying to save the world from, you know, these these evil beings, gods, whatever they are, and everything like that. There's some interesting dynamics with, you know, as the the, the team is split up into to, dip, to protect the different cities and, and all that. One thing that, that kind of bothered me a little was uh, Sam Wilson and Black Panther, like their their interaction, because. Sam really doesn't like Black Panther now. He's like almost like rude. And it's like, okay, there was some recent stuff going on. I feel like I missed something, like the full extent, like why he's so angry. But it's like, maybe he's not a king of Wakanda anymore, but you, you got to respect Black Panther. Because even when he, he, you know, when he's on a team, Captain Marvel's like, you know, I feel like you should be leading the team or something like that. And he's like, he's like you know, he has his own things to deal with, but he's there. And a, a consulting um, position as well, but it yeah it just seemed it seemed a little weird and petty on Sam's part and stuff. So with with this, I have to say, you know, it's Jed McKay. I love Jed McKay's writing. You know, I I, I gobble up you know whatever he's 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 done. You know, I love the Moon Knight stuff. I love the I absolutely love the Black Cat stuff. But there's something about this and and so it, it kind of got me thinking is like do i like or do i prefer jed mckay writing single or like you know duo characters you know very you know whatever it's like do i not just not like him as a, as a team writer but maybe it's just this villain this this group that they're dealing with that i'm not vibing with so that, but like I said, you know, the, the fact of how the team is splitting up and everything like that, and just little things when they mention like, you know, Scarlet, which is power set and, you know, the threat that she is. So, you know, I, I do appreciate just little mentions like that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I really appreciate it when writers acknowledge like how extreme, you know, if, if a writer mentions how Sue Richards, you know, visible woman is like the most powerful woman or most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. I think that that's, that's essential. You know, that's something that should be acknowledged and known it doesn't have to be thrown in our face all the time but it's something that needs to be be known the fact that kate pride is a ninja and has ninja skills that is that to me you you earn like top marks for me when that happens okay what else we had another one that was a uh, captain marvel dark tempest uh, i didn't really had something about the first issue just was off so i i, I didn't read this issue there's a uh, children of the vault i do not like these characters. I read this. I did read this issue. So this is, you know, after the downfall, the fall of X, you know, the Krakoa is gone. So with uh, the mutants gone, they basically come out of the vault. And uh, that's kind of a problem because they're so extremely powerful. You know, they've been in there for like years or whatever, you know, thousands of years because time passes differently. So what does this mean? We also have a uh, cable and, and Bishop basically. And I feel like I've missed some stuff there because they hate each other. There's like some, they, they have some history and, and they just don't trust each other. But a lot of it is like, okay, the, the children of the vault, you know, they're calling themselves the children of tomorrow. They need to be dealt with and stopped. And uh, there's like, you know, the mutants aren't around. So that's, that's kind of a problem. There was a Guardians of the Galaxy issue five. I'm, 
I'm having such a hard time with this Groot Fall story. And, um, you know, when this, this series was, was first announced, I was like, oh, oh this is kind of kind of interesting. And, you know, with this new kind of direction they're, they're going in. But I just, I don't know, something about it is just not clicking with me now. I'm having a hard time with this. We have a, another one of those uh, GODS stories. And uh, I actually, I just realized I, I stopped. It's like after the, the next issue um, uh, page. So I, I realized I didn't read that. So I just looked at it now because I saw it mentioned on the cover. Something with the, with the collector. I don't really know what this God stuff is. And I'm hopefully uh, it'll entertain me or whatever. There was a Ghost Rider Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance, Alpha. I didn't want to read this. I'm just like, ugh. Uh, but I, I did. I started reading it, and and of course, it you know, there's like a flashback story, which was is fine. You know, we see like uh, so it must be like early with X because like Wolverine needed this. This lady brings this kid to the Xavier Institute, whatever, and Wolverine jumps out. He's like, "Who are you? You're not welcome here." And so he's very like rude and feral and and annoying. But we you know we see the other mutants like Nightcrawler and Storm and Kitty Pryde there. So it's around that time. So if Kitty was there, you know, he shouldn't be that rude. But this this lady is concerned about this kid. She thinks he's a mutant, but Xavier, he he's like, oh, he's not a mutant. But there's like this bigger problem. So, anyways, this um, whatever happens here, it's it's then it it catches up to the the present or something like that. And because you know, Ghost Rider was involved in this flashback stuff too and everything. It was all right. Uh, I'm just I something about the like the, all the supernatural stuff like that. It's if I have a choice, I, I don't. I'm not going to read it. You know, I don't really care so much. Um, Immortal X Men 14. So more uh, Fall of X. You know, stuff. Xavier's basically sitting on Krakoa. He's the only mutant there. He's he blames himself because when Orcus, whatever, when they're like, okay, you need to send all the mutants off planet, or you know, we're going to kill them all, type of thing. But now we don't know where they went. And you know he he's he thinks that he sent them to their death because he can't sense them or whatever. There's also stuff with Sebastian Shaw and you know his his plans didn't quite go as well as he he thought. There there is a little bit of an update with the other mutants like where they may have possibly what happened to them. So if you're invested in all that, you definitely should be reading that issue. So I'm I'm glad I did because I haven't been reading it before. Miles Morales issue nine. I'm just, I've been struggling with the Miles Morales comics, even though you got Hobgoblin here. I love Hobgoblin. I didn't love this issue. I mean, poor Miles is like dealing with some stuff. Like his his spider sense is like uh, acting all wonky and everything. So Hobgoblin's trying to steal some stuff from like Beyond Storage Place, and you know Miles is trying to stop him because you know even though Beyond is is horrible. He doesn't think that Hobgoblin should be having this stuck to and stuff like that. So there's a big fight. Things, it's it's a rough battle and everything like that. Uh, but then we find out like, okay, why did basically Hobgoblin is looking for like this mind? It's like kind of like a brainwashing, mind wiping device. So it's like, what's he gonna do with that? So, okay, there, there's maybe a reason for that. Uh, there's Red Goblin issue seven, which I can't believe that's still going on. Cindy Moon is Silk, <laughs> Silk issue four. Actually, you know, I I started flipping through this. Um, okay, it's not the last issue, but I just I just cannot get into it. like just heard the villain. 
I just I can't get into that. I, I it's it's so upsetting because I, I really like the character. I think she's a cool character, and I like the earlier series, but like this the last one and this one, I'm just it's not working for me. Then there's a um, Spider Man uh, Chaos of or Contest of Chaos number one, and um, I don't think this. I think I'm trying to see if this is just oh Spider Man Annual number one. Contest of Chaos Part 1. It's by Stephanie Phillips and Alberto Fauché. I, I didn't like this. And um, I just... So we have... Uh, I believe it's young young Agatha Harkness doing some stuff. And it looks like people are being transported to do something. So then it ends up being like Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Wolverine, he can just be so annoying sometimes. And, you know, because he, he's, he's so cool because he's got blades and he'll kill you. He'll cut you. But he, it's, it's like he's basically just a big bully. And he's, he's a lot of times he's like a piece of crap. And, and yeah, so um, the, 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 the problem with this is this, it's going to be continuing because uh, it looks like we have next Iron Man annual, Fantastic Four annual, Moon Knight annual. And then it's Spider Gwen Annual, Venom Annual, X Men Annual, Avengers Annual. So it, the next one it looks like it's gonna be Storm versus Iron Man. I don't even know where where Storm is. Storm still on Mars? It's like how is this happening? I don't know. But we have Jessica Jones pops up at, at the end, which is is cool. But I just I, I didn't like that. Then there is a Star Wars thirty seven. I almost didn't read this just because of time. But it's like it's one of the dark droid stories. Lando versus Lobot. With the dark droid stuff, you know, there's a basically droids are being possessed and joined into like this hive mind kind of thing, and they're just like doing evil stuff. So Lobot kind of, you know, his, with his transplant, whatever his headset. Um, why can't I think of the word? Not a transplant. Um, but anyways, he kind of gets affected, and then Lando has to kind of like disable it. But now. Lobot needs that, so it's like, what are they going to do type of thing? And then he's he asks Leia, he's like, hey, I need to borrow my ship and t- take it. And she's like, it's not your ship, it's Han's ship. And then he's like, well, I got to go do this, you know, whatever. And he's like, you, you and uh, Luke, whatever, can go off on your missions, don't questions it. Because she's like, well, that's Han's ship, and it's part of our, our, you know, our, our military, you know. So he's, he's going to go. And she's like, you know what, I trust you. And even though he didn't, like, tell her the whole truth, but whatever. Then there is a Star Wars, one of those uh, Return of Jedi uh, stories, um, Max Rebo. I didn't read all this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in Max Rebo. You know, I, I, I feel like there's, I know there, I've read some of the, story, like one of the Tales from the um, Jabba's Palace books, which is that even canon anymore? I don't know. But with this, it just seems like it's it's just a lot of like, Return of Jedi, basically, from Max Rebo's perspective. You know, just a whole part with when Bausch comes, when Leia, you know, Han being captured. And so, yeah, there, there, there is that. I mean, I mean it was... Eh. Then um, at DC... Um, yeah. So, I... I okay, we, we, have, we have more of the Night Terror stuff. I'm just... I'm not really digging it because... You know, we're, we're and this is what what's throwing me off because because a lot of these books are like two two issue stories, and it's like oh here's Hero X they're facing their nightmare they're fighting all this stuff and then issue two is like oh I conquered my my nightmares 
and I'm, and now I'm awake. So it seems like that's what's really happening in all these these stories. It's hard for me to to look at that, and I know these stories are just they're entertainment. So you're seeing this character deal with this stuff, overcoming this obstacle. Because of course, you know the heroes are going to win ninety nine percent of the time, but it just feels like what is really what, you know what what is the purpose of I don't know that's not necessarily the right word, but it's like what are, are are we gaining from this? You know, we're seeing this story, and and the fact that we have this villain called Insomnia. Why, why insomnia doesn't necessarily mean yeah insomnia is a bad thing if you have insomnia it sucks because you want to sleep but how does insomnia tie into nightmares you know you don't you don't have insomnia because you're having nightmares it's just maybe it's just like oh we just need a a sleepy it's related you know sleeping related name for a villain so i don't know so we have a superman annual and um Yes, there's just a lot of these. I, I'm trying to remember. It's it's just it's just more of the same. And you know, there's a, there's a Teen Titans one, Night. So Night Terror is number three. That's like the main book. And you know, you have Dead Man in Batman's body. He and he's with Wesley Dodds somehow. Uh, you know, the Golden Age Sandman. Damien is around. And one thing is interesting. So. Because he, Bat, Dead Man in, in Batman's body, he says something to him. He's like, he's like, oh, good job. He's like, your dad would be proud. He's like, don't put you know words in, in his his mouth because Batman would never say he's proud, you know, obviously. And he's like, get out of his body or whatever. So he comes out. Then he's like, oh, you know, Boston Brand, I should have known it was you. Because, you know, Damien was like saying it was a demon possessing his, his father. And he's like, you can see me? And he's like, I've, I've dealt with death recently or something like that. So it's like, Damien can see him because he died, but hasn't like, like almost everyone, all the heroes have died at some point. I, I don't know. But Damien's also, uh, I think it was in a free comic book day issue where he, he, he hasn't like slept in like almost a week or something, or maybe it hasn't been a week, but he's, he's going through all, like all this meditation. So maybe it's just been a few days. So he's not sleeping so he can, you know, try to fight this, but it's like, that's not going to be good for him. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, Green Lantern Night Terrors. Basically, you know, Hal Jordan fighting his nightmares. And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm a Green Lantern, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, I realized I didn't read the Shazam one. Because um, I, 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 I'm a Mary Marvel fan, so I missed that. Uh, Night Terrors The Flash. I didn't care for this. So in this terror, you know, in the first issue... Wally West gets severely injured in this fight against Gorilla Grodd. So Barry, of course, he's gonna go back in time, try to fix things, go back and try, and then because he's doing so, like he just keeps getting affected by you know fighting and gaining with the, the speed force and just other, and he gets all like mutated and everything, and it's just it's like I don't know what's going on. Uh, there's Night Terror's Robin, which is uh, basically had Tim Drake and Jason Todd. So here. If anything, if, of all these books where it's like, okay, what nothing matters, nothing matters, nothing matters. There are some repercussions or there are some developments between Jason Todd and, and Tim Drake. Because, you know, the basically, hopefully we will see some, this, this stick, this carry forward. Because, you know, Tim is still like very hard on himself. You know, he, he's worried, and, you know, like his nightmare is seeing his dad die, you know, by Captain Boomerang. And, you know, Jason blames himself. You know, he, he's 
feels like he's all alone and, you know, he's just this failure. You know, he kills people. He's, you know, went over the edge and the dark side and stuff like that. And, you know, Tim's trying to say, it's like, you know, you're not alone. He's like, even though you push us away, we're still here. And the fact that you did this, it's not your fault. So hopefully those little bits, because, you know, we've seen Jason Todd every once in a while making little, little progress towards dealing with his issues because, you know, it, it is unfortunate what happened to him. And, you know, because he's like, you know, you didn't fail, you know, Batman, whatever. It's like Batman failed you. Your mother failed you. You know, the fact that he, how he was killed originally. So if anything, that would be hopefully you know, we'll, we'll see some of that. Um, Night Terror Zatanna. I, I kind of sort of enjoyed this. It, it was fun seeing uh, Zatanna. You know, I feel like I don't read a lot of Zatanna, even though she was in Justice League Dark. I couldn't get into that so much. But I, I liked some of her stuff here. There's a lot of stuff like, oh, my dad, the you know, evil dad being you know mean to me and stuff like that. It's not really my dad. It's a nightmare. But I like the, the, the weird team up between her and Robot Man, Cliff, uh, which is so weird. But there's something about it. I don't know if they're going to like push this um, further. We'll see. But that was kind of fun um, as, as, as much as it could be from, from this stuff. Danger Street issue eight. Um, this is okay. I, I'm intrigued with this because I have no idea where this is going. Uh, that this, I love this lady cop in here. And there's, there's something about her. It's weird seeing, you know, the creeper and, and then just, I, yeah, I don't know where this is going, but I'm, I'm so intrigued with, with this. Uh, Wildcats issue 10. I, I'm, I'm, this is another one I'm intrigued with. I, I'm kind of interested in where this is going because, you know, we, we have the Wildcats team. There have been some changes made to characters. And it's, it's been interesting seeing how they've been operating a lot, like, under the radar behind the scenes. And, you know, Batman, obviously, you know, he shows up in this issue, of course. And he's familiar with them. So it's interesting to see like the connection with them. And then that's basically it because uh, Spirit World number four came out and Batman Incorporated issue 11. I didn't read those. So uh, that's it. That's going to be comics for the week. Uh, my Adventures with, with Superman, season one, episode six, My Adventures with Mad Science. So one of the things I discovered as I'm a week behind, I thought this week was episode six was the last one. There's actually an episode seven. It's a uh, that's awesome. I don't know how many episodes there are, but and I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I tend to go off of IMDb, and they're usually pretty good at listing. You know, I know it's sometimes you know it's user based or whatever, but anyways. So my adventures with Mad Science. Lois is trying to call to apologize, Jim, because remember last week, uh, episode five, Jimmy disappeared, got taken by Bigfoot or something. So Jimmy's trying to call, or Lois is trying to call Jimmy. To apologize, she's she says it's Clark's fault, which is a bunch of crap. And this episode kind of got me a little, little angry. I might have to do an off my mind about a topic here about Superman's secret identity and the lying aspect of it. So she's headed to the campsite now. She opens the door to leave, and she's startled because Clark is, is standing right, right there. You know, he's he's about to, to knock. She tries closing the door, and he puts his hand to stop it. And he's like, you know, Jimmy isn't answering. You know, his his cell. And he's not answering you know, hers either. So she's momentarily concerned. But then she's like, well, maybe it's because, you know, you, you stood him up. And he's like, it's more than that. She's like, I flew to the campground. No, Jimmy, I flew over to Forest, the Daily Planet, nothing. It's like, Lois, he's just gone. He, and she's like, disappeared. Then she's like, just like 
everyone who came in contact with the tech, which that's a bit of a stretch there. And he's like, I know you're mad at me, but this isn't about us. Something has happened to Jimmy. You're the best investigator I know, and I can't find him without you. He's like, please. And she's like, hmm. Then she like walks past him out the door. He like sighs, like, thank you. And then she turns around in the hall. She's like, let's get one thing straight. I'm doing this for Jimmy, not you. And we could be overreacting. Maybe he just turned off his phone. Jimmy wakes up and he's like, what? He's like strapped to a table. He's like, hello, why am I strapped to it? And then this panel thing opens up the ceiling and this like kind of like little robot probe thing, something comes at him and he screams. Lois and Clark walk through the woods. Lois finds a footprint. She's like, this is Jimmy's size. He was walking, not running. So it's like, wait, she's an investigative reporter and like a, a natural tracker and she just happens to know Jimmy's shoe size. And Clark's like, so uh, how do you know how to track people through the woods? And then she's like, wilderness weekends. Dad took me on wilderness survival weekends as a kid. He taught me how to use a compass, find a path, you know, purify water, set bones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, wait, so she went on wilderness weekends? She never told Clark that. She lied to him. So stupid. I mean, that's her logic. He's like, that sounds intense. I didn't know that about you. And she's like, yeah, there's a a lot about me you're never going to know. And it's just like, oh my, I'd be like, all right, great, fine. You're going to have that attitude. Softly, he eats himself. He's like, great going, Kent. He zips up to catch, you know, to catch up to her. And, and then he has suddenly stopped because they've come to this big fence. There's like barbed wire. It's like danger restricted area. He's like, I scouted the forest from the air at least a dozen times. Like, how did I miss this? Lois gets her on her phone. Then she she's like calling. Then she hears Jimmy's phone. There's a hole in the fence and she crawls through it. She takes off her backpack behind, you know, Clark picks it up, crawls through the hole. But then as soon as, as he does, he gets hit by like some sort of like painful energy, like something is going on. So I don't know if there's like a force field or something around the place. And Lois calls out. She's like, I found his phone. And you can see like some weird structure in the distance. At first, there's like, wait, there's something wrong with like the top part of it. Like there's a circle or something. Lois plays Jimmy's last video, so I guess he doesn't have like a passcode on on his phone. He's talking about, he's like, tonight we find, and then he sees like the hole in the fence. And then this big creature comes at him, and he's getting dragged away, screaming. And Clark's like, oh my gosh, Bigfoot kidnapped Jimmy. Jimmy opens his eye. He's like, I've been kidnapped by Bigfoot. Because there's a big gorilla in clothes standing in front of him. And some other guy. So, so this floating robot sphere says, we are Monsieur Mala and the brain trespasser. And those are the last words your spying ear will ever hear. Mala, the lasers. And then like some gadgets like move towards his face. Any last words, spy, before we end your life? And then Jimmy's like, softly, he's like, yes, thank you. And the two are like confused. He's like, this isn't how I thought I would e- it would end. But at least I got to meet a super intelligent French gorilla before I died, which means I was right about everything. Too bad my so-called friends will never know. So go ahead, open my brain. At least someone cares what I think. So there's like a laser and a bus on everything. They kind of like retract a bit. Then Mala's like, you seem troubled by something. Would you like to talk about it? Then Jimmy and the brain both are like, what? Lois and Clark reach a clearing through the, the trees. And there's a sign that says Cadmus Minefield. Lois like bumps this rock with her foot and then there's like a big red light on the end. Clark like draws her attention to the field and he's like, because there's like army jeeps and tanks and skeletons. He's like, it looks like an army invaded and then melted. He's like, what is this place? She says, or she she plays a flame bird video, which is weird because I I feel like I missed something because now it clearly is showing Jimmy's face. Because before he was like talking in the shadows, 
I mean, unless it's on Jimmy's phone and it's like a pre-edited one, you know, he was going to put a filter or something over it. Because, I mean, the whole thing is Steve Lombard didn't know that it was Jimmy. So uh, he mentions Cadmus, a.k.a. Area 52. He's like, it might still contain secrets, UFOs, alien technology. And Lois like, Clark, when Jimmy told you all his stories about aliens, did you, I mean, does he know about you? Clark's like, no. How come you never told him? And Clark's like, let's just keep going, okay? And she like rushes in front of him. She's like, no, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you not answering my question. He's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. She's like, then when? When is a good time for the truth with you? He's like, Lois, I've told you more about myself than I've ever told anyone. You already know I'm Superman. What else do you need to know? And she's like, did you lie about your feelings for me? Everything you said to me? Was it all just a cover for you? He's like, Lois, like size. He's like, how could you think that? And then some machinery nearby beeps and like the rock robot thing has like walked up to them. There's actually like several of them. And, you know, there's a bunch floating above the ground. Then they start shooting. And he's like, run. Mala's like, voila. He's like, welcome to Cadmus. Jimmy squeals excitedly. There's like floating armored creatures, like something like in tubes. There's like weapons. There's, you know, all these big computers. Brain's like, for the record, I am against this. Jimmy gasps. He looks up like this hanging mechanical creature. Is that the Loch Ness Monster? And Mala's like, it is one of the mutants we lost in Scotland. Yes. And then Gas, no, wait, are those? He runs up to some weapons, and Jimmy and Mala both say, the CIA's classified sonic guns under development until the creator mysteriously vanished. And then there's like, also, the cre- creator didn't vanish. We recruited her. And Jimmy's like, I can't believe I'm touching one. Have you two seen my phone? And Brain's like, phone? You wish to expose our existence? He's like, I'm just trying to show the world how amazing this all is and to prove how right I am to two people specifically. So it's all about him and pushing his flame bird channel, right? Which is annoying. It's like he's, you know, he's trying to get a job at the, the Daily Planet, but he cares more about his flame bird channel with six followers. So he just cares. And this is the thing that drives me nuts about how like a lot of the interest, you know, people are more concerned about their personal brand than they are about who they're working for. It's like, you know, when, when I was on, you know, run, doing Comic Vine and everything, I was pushing stuff through to Comic Vine, like, you know, channels. My thing was, was secondary. Whatever. And then Brain's like, people you brought with you? And then Mala's like, Brain, for the love of it, would you stop threatening our guest? He's like, prisoner, and why are you giving him a tour? He'll lead others here to destroy us, my love. Which is like, oh, my love, huh? And he's like, must you always assume the worst? For decades we have been alone, no one to talk to, let alone admire our work. Perhaps the world is more accepting now, huh? Perhaps things won't be like last time. And Jimmy's like, what do you mean, like last time? And Brain's like, no, no, don't tell him any. And Amala just continues, 22 years ago, we belonged to Cadmus, the U.S. government's top secret science agency. We, along with the military division Task Force X, were given strange technology by the government. And we see like some flashback footage. Our orders were to make weapons, but while our sister program relished the charge, we were not interested in destruction. This is supposed to be a French accent, which I'm not even trying to do. So we used our technology, we used the technology to create. After an experiment gave me super intelligence, I began to work with another young scientist, which bloomed into a wonderful partnership. We were men of science stepping into the unknown. But when it was discovered that we were making things to change the world, not harm it, Task Force X, I knew I was going to stumble. Task Force X was sent in to eliminate us, but in their attack, they disturbed our most fragile experiment, an unstable black hole. So Task Force X assumed there were no survivors and moved on. Brain lost his body, but his mind and his art remained. 
And so I can spend my life with the man I love most in all the universe. Jimmy's like, wow, you know, your story and mine are kind of similar. <laughs> and then well, I was like, gas, you know, it's like, you were also hunted? And Jimmy's like, close. My friend stood me up for a camping trip. Uh, okay, your story has more kill squads, but I know how it feels to be abandoned by people who are supposed to support you. My friends don't take my work seriously. They don't take me seriously, which is just like r- ridiculous. I know, uh, Mal is like, I know little in this world, but if someone cares for you, they want to know how you feel. You just need to speak your mind. And if they still reject you, you can stay with us. And Brain's like, what? Nine, we must eliminate him. Mal is like, oh, that's your answer for everything. Eliminate this, kill, kill that. Leave the dishes until they get mold. Then claim it's some sort of experiment. And Jimmy's like, tries excusing himself to go to the bathroom as they bicker. And he, then he ends up in a black hole machine, like room, whatever. And then he like gasps. So Lois and Clark are still getting shot at, which is like a long time because that was like such a long like conversation. He tells Lois to keep running. He stops. He tries punching one and it, it, it stops. It doesn't really do much to it. So these things must be super tough. It stops and the like, others join up. It stops and like the others join up, you know, alongside it. And then it turns into like some kind of robot that's like kind of like twice Clark's height. And it like swats him through the trees. He goes flying. He lands in front of Lois. He tells her to hang on. He like zips up, but then he kind of, or they both kind of like fall back. And, and then she's like, Clark, he's like, I'm sorry. Something's wrong with my powers. They're weaker somehow. And then like more robots are charging at them. She's like, Clark, run. So, but then there's like some mines or something on the ground because there's like little like, you know, like squares or whatever. So just, uh, they, they step on one and it destroys the next one that goes over it. So that's kind of looked out for them. And then the second one, they, they step on it. I think Lois steps on it or whatever. They go through this, this gate and then like a force field kind of like closes behind them. And Lois is like, they're not following. And she steps like another one. This big cannon lights up in front of them. So now their luck is against them because uh, they, they run around... Uh, the the tree and it, it starts like shooting at them clark blocks it and his jacket and shirts gets like obliterated then he falls to his knee when it's finished and she's like clark and she's like are you all right and he's like i'm fine she's like but clark and he's kind of like scraped up and everything he's got some cuts and stuff he's like i'm okay everything is okay and she's like how did you know you'd be bulletproof he's like i didn't i just knew that you weren't and he's like yeah let's find jimmy and get out of here before something else happens so the brain and Mala join Jimmy and he asks, he's like, is this the unstable black hole that destroyed everything? And Mala's like, of course not. It's like, this is a new one. And Jimmy's like, why would you make a new one? And Mala's like, well, you see, we may have deliberately blown it up to fake our death and escape. But since then, we have lived a simple life of peace. When we figure out how to stabilize it, it will become a wormhole, a gateway to other dimensions, dimensions where we might not be welcome, not, you know, not feared. And Brain's like, Ooh, unless it blows up first. And Jimmy's like, uh, that's not something to be excited about. And Mala's like, ah, fear not, Jimmy. As long as nothing disrupts the flow of power to this room, it is perfectly safe. Then an alarm buzzes, of course. Clark is trying to pry open a door to the building. He finally gets it open after straining for a bit. He's like, we need to be careful. He's like, who knows what? And he gets like slammed. Brain says, I told you he'd lead enemies to us. Brain has like attached to this like giant like robot body and Mala like runs out roaring. Jimmy's like, everyone stop. And Mala's like, you know these intruders, Jimmy? And he's like, yeah, these are the friends I was telling you about. And he's like, oh, the bad ones. And Brain's like, hmm. And Lois is like, what, what? It's like, no, no, we're, um, I, I mean, yes, we did forget about camping. Mala's like, uh, we will give you, you space. 
And Brain complains, like, I want to watch them fight. So Clark's like, Jimmy, we are so sorry that we let you down. He's like, I am sorry. This whole situation made me realize that I, I, I held things back from you, and I shouldn't have. Jimmy, you deserve to know that I am. He starts taking his glass off. And Jimmy's like, Clark, I know you're Superman. This is not a big reveal. And he's like, well, he's like, what? Wait, what? You know, you know? Since when? And Jimmy's like, we've been roommates since freshman year. The day I met you, you ripped the handle off the door, and then you tried to play it like the screws had just come loose. And he's like, uh, I mean, it could have been the screws. And Jimmy's like, the handle was ripped in half. I didn't say anything because it seemed like a sensitive subject, which is exactly the point. At least Jimmy gets it. Lois clearly does not. And he's like, so I thought that if I waited, you would tell me when you were ready. Lois groans. You've known this whole time? Why didn't you tell me? Then he's like, hold up. You told Lois before you told me? Your best friend? And Clark's like, okay, it's been a weird 24 hours. My powers aren't working, and we've been chased all over this place by robots. So let's just take a deep breath and stop yelling. Mala says over an intercom, eh, robots? What robots? And Jimmy's like, what happened to giving us space? He's like, uh... Forgive me, Jimmy. I love drama, but Cadmus never created any robots. If you are being chased by something, it is not one of ours. Then, uh, like, the floating robot things swarm through the trees, like, on, on cue. So the three run inside. Clark and Brain, like, shove a piece, like, a door, like, a big hunk, like, in place. Brain's like, the Omax, they are from Task Force X, the original kill squad. So then the floating things like swarm through the trees on cue. So uh, Lois, Clark, and Jimmy, they run inside. Clark and Brain shove this like big piece of, I don't know if it's like the door because it's like big thing like in, in place. Brain's like, the Omax, they are from Task Force X, the original kill squad. And then they're, they're blast like knock, knock Clark and, and Brain back. And he's like, something must have awakened them. And Mala's like, allow us. And then like bangs on the wall. And then three like the armored critters that were like in the floating tubes, they run at the Omax. And Jimmy's like, and who are they? And Ma's like, we got bored of hiding. Like one year in, we made a bunch of mutants, okay? But other than creating a black hole in an army of mutants, we live a simple life of peace, uh, mostly. And then, big explosion. Ma's like, gasp. The containment field, fall back. And Lois like, why is there a black hole? And Jimmy's like, ask the mad scientist. And Brain's like, genius is never appreciated in its own time. The Omax, like, bust through the, the door. They're, like, shooting. Mala says that they need to access the control panels to uh, turn on the, the backup system. And Clark's like, tell me what to do. And they're like, set the frequency to 0.1778. And Brain's like, 0.1887. You always transpose your numbers. So it's like, which one is it? He's like, keep entering those numbers and, until it works or we die. And then, uh, so Brain, Mala, and Jimmy... And Lois start like shooting. They have they grab these like baton guns, which is like weird, weird weapons. And Jimmy says to Clark, he's like, before we die, I got to know, why did you, you know, cut me out of a huge part of your life? And Lois is like, and me. And Clark's like, because I was scared. All, all I ever wanted was to be normal. I don't want you to treat me like I'm an alien. I just want to be your friend. And Jimmy's like, Clark, we don't care what you are. We're friends with you because of who you are. Lois is like, and we just want you to be open with us, which is a bunch of crap, Lois. Then Mala's like, open, that's it. And like swings over. He says they, they need to open the containment field, let the black hole hit critical mass for it to stabilize. And then it starts like sucking up the Omax. Unfortunately, Jimmy, Lois, Mala, and Brain are getting like sucked up too. Clark reaches out and manages to grab Lois's hand. Jimmy's like holding onto her legs. Mala's holding onto Jimmy's legs and, and also Brain's hands. So Clark's like hanging onto a railing. They're all like floating, getting sucked in. But then the, the railing snaps. But then somehow 
the black hole like lets out the spark. So it's like they don't get pulled in just yet. So it must be perfect timing. And then it turns into like this big white ball of gas or something like that. So outside, Lois puts her jacket on a shirtless Clark because it's like a really big jacket, I guess. Clark, you know, and she smiles. Mala says that, you know, that they must leave. The red, red sun omega field that was keeping Cadmus hidden is no longer operation. He's like, but I will miss you, Jimmy. And then they hug. Brain says to Clark, so the general found you yet? And Clark's like, how, how did you? And Brain's like, the Omax woke up after you entered our perimeter. The Omega field affected you. The tech reacts to you. I don't know what they gave us 22 years ago, but you are somehow caught in the middle of it. And if you are, then you are in the crosshair of Task Force X of him. And he's like, who is he? A man who would blat out the sun if he thought his country demanded it. The one we've been hiding from. Because once he sees you as a threat, he will never, ever stop. Come with us. You are different, strange like us. And this world, it's not so forgiving of that. He's like, I have to stay. I have to believe that this world can be a place where everyone is accepted. And I, I, I need to help it get there with the people I love. And Brain's like, then until we meet again, off we just shin, Clark Kent. <laughs> they shake hands. Mala's like... And now we must take our leave. And Jimmy's like, if you come back, we're doing an interview for Flamebird, which is ridiculous, Jimmy. And then at least Lois is like, and a Daily Planet. She's like, I think we'd need some pictures, though. Perry might, you know, take some convincing, uh, you know, to become a, a true believer like us. And she, like, she takes Clark's hand. She's her holding hands. Mala hits some buttons. Brain asks if he's ready to step into the unknown. And Mala takes his hand. Always Monomore. So they're going to walk through the, the portal thing. Later, we see the general like is inside the remains. He he's told that there's no sign of of what the old tech pinged them about, and he's like, "This is nostalgic for me. It's like my first operation, my first hard call I had to make." And he's like, "I want your opinion on the tech here. Put that brilliant mind of yours to work." So he's talking to I I think is a Doctor Ivo from a couple episodes ago because I, I don't remember. I think it was I'm trying to remember what he looked like, but he's like wearing like a shot collar thing. You know, like it's probably gonna blow up like you know, what they put in Task Force X. And he's like, but why would a humble kidnapped billionaire like me do that? And the general's like, because we want the same thing, to take down Superman, to rip him from the sky and to bury him so deep, the world won't even remember his name. And then I was like, yeah, no, in that case, I can work with all of this. And his like right eye is like glowing purple, so he must still have some stuff. When do we start? And that's the end of the episode. All right, then with Harley Quinn, season four, episode three, icons only so we'll do like as i mentioned earlier we'll do episodes three and four three let's see uh icons only this was a this was a good episode so as uh, you know a lot of things were, were teased in an opening you know for the first episode and you know we're, we're starting to see some of that and this is stuff that was mentioned in uh, the interview at, that i did with the like the producers showrunners at comic-con so this one's dealing with with the Vegas stuff and the next episode is dealing with the moon. So this one starts off, Ivy and Harley, you know, they're trying to make plans, but they're both, they have busy schedules because, you know, Harley's trying to be a hero with the Bat family and Ivy's now the CEO of Legion of Doom. So she's you know, doing evil stuff. Ivy points out that the Lexor in Vegas just reopened and it's free for villains. So Harley's like, oh yeah, she's like Cheetah and Conway renewed their vows there. So I guess they're married here. Ivy asks, she's like, isn't Clayface's residency starting this weekend? And she's like, I've been getting so many targeted ads. It's, it's like, ugh. And Harley's like, I have too. And, you know, she seems excited. And Harley's like, you know, he's singing the greatest hits of other Vegas residencies. And then 
Har Ivy's like, you know, why is the trailer in French? And Harley's like, why is he taking a bubble bath in army fatigues? And then Ivy's like, yeah, who's his audience? So they're like, they're, they're kind of ripping on him together. You know, so, you know, Ivy's like, who's his audience? And Harley's like, anyone who couldn't get tickets to literally anything else. So they're laughing. Then Ivy says that, you know, now that she's with the Bat family, she probably shouldn't stay in the evilest resort in Vegas. And Harley's like, like no, no. She's like, I misses you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, so they're like, let's go to Vegas. As they're, they're going there, we see like a welcome to Vegas sign. It's like more fun than Bloodhaven with less asbestos. They check in. They're in the room. You know, concierge is there. Ramona. You see the mini fridge has weapons in there. And she's like, the grenades are chocolate, but the chocolates are grenades. And then Ramona asks if they need anything else. And Ivy's like, sure. She's like, we'd like a pair of tickets to Clay, the, the Clayface show. And, you know, might as well check it out while we're here. Ramona laughs at them. She's like, that show's been sold out for months. And they all laugh. Then Ivy's like, wait, are you serious? For real? She's like, well, good news. Mr. Face has invited you to his pre-show pool party this afternoon. And Ivy whispers a Harley that she's like, I'm just going to have Nora handle the tickets because Nora is now her assistant at the Legion of Doom. And then there's also these like little star bell bellhops like bringing stuff, whatever. So Ramona offers them complimentary blood of your enemy shooters to Ivy. She's like, yours has some of your fourth grade math teachers. And Ivy's like, oh, and, and then she raises her, her glass to the best weekend ever. Harley like, tosses her shot like over her shoulder. So she's like, uh, no, thanks. Ivy looks at, uh, later looks at this like evil pamphlet wondering what they should do first. Then Harley gets a call from Batgirl and she like cancels it. Harley suggests that they go to some like artsy glass blown ceiling place or something like that and then you know stop at the m&m store or something like that at the pool later you see like man bat flies in with the keg there's a chicken guy cock king he grabs a knife from water and he stabs cod piece in the, in the gut like for, th for three like three times for some reason and then he just like knocks in the pool so i guess cod piece is dead there's so many people are dead in this this series uh, Harley and ivy they arrive in the elevator and you got like shopping bags and Harley apologized they had to wait like three hours in line and she's like, but at least we got to see the history of M&M's, you know, 30 years displays. Like, pretty fun to see the tan ones, huh? Ivy's like, oh, it's fine. She's like, I also love hearing so many babies screaming in line. So then Harley groans because, you know, she gets another, she gets a text from Batgirl. And it, it says, like, have you thought more about it? So Ivy's like, uh, do you want to get that? And she's like, no, no. She's like, I don't want to let work interrupt these sexy party vibes. Then King Shark shows up. And asking Ivy's like, is this hero bothering you? So he's with, I don't know if it's his wife or whatever his partner, Tabitha. And and she's pretty intense. You know, she's just very demanding and just, you know, horrible. It's like Cabana Boy, whatever, tells Ivy that Elvis has requested that she join him for some white rhino bone marrow in his cabana. And she's, she says she'll go. You know, she's going to go since it's it's Elvis or whatever. King Shark whispers to Harley. He's like, I'm worried that Tabitha won't let me co-parent with her. And Harley's like, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, she seems to hate you. And Ivy comes back because uh, there's also some like white rhino or something like that that Elvis was offering. So Harley's like, like she asks, how is Elvis? And she's like, no, wait, how is a rhino? And Ivy's like, meh, I'm both. And then they, they go to gamble. So there's like this big death match going on, like in this platform over this pit. It's a ragdoll versus some dude in like blue tights and a red cape that can change his size. Maybe I'm just like blanking. I was like, who the heck is that supposed to be? So he like falls in, there's like a giant starro like at the bottom of the pit. Harley gets concerned that someone might have seen her cheering for this because you know she's supposed to be a hero now. And then Ivy asked Nora on, on the phone, she's like, Where you know, where are we with those clayface tickets? 
And Nora's like, well, I can get you backstage with Celine. I can get a meet and greet with Brittany, but not of her clay face. And she's like, can't you just ask him? And Ivy's like, yeah, no, I can't do that. She's like, I may have ignored a few emails that may have he may have sent specifically about this exact subject. So just keep trying. And then Snowflame is there. He sits behind him. He's like, wow. He's like, even I got tickets. I guess CEO stands for can't even do capital O poop. It's like, what? Ivy calls him a troll or something like that. Says, you know, she's like, I already have tickets, man. And she just needs extra tickets in case they want seats for their purses. And, you know, he, he doesn't buy it. He you know knows that she's lying or whatever. Then he's like, hey, what's with the narc? You know, referring to Harley. And he like eggs on Harley and stuff like that. So then she flips him in the pool. He almost drowns, but then she pulls him out. He's like, the Harley that I used to know would have let me drown. And she decides she's going to go back to the room for a bit. And then a, a couple helicopters flap carrying a limo and like speakers. They drop the limo down and smashes like some lady, you know, out by the pool. Clayface gets out. People actually, you know, they're up there. They, they gather around or cheering him on. Ivy reluctantly makes her way through the, through the crowd. And then he's like, well, 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 if it's in my old so-and-so, Poison Ivy. And, you know, he he starts to give her like that air, like cheek kisses. She's like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I don't need any. This other lady, you know, she screams like, I love you. And he says, Ivy's like, see you at tonight's show unless you don't have any tickets. And Ivy's like, like oh, we're good. Like, yeah, we've got tickets. Front row orchestra, seats six and seven, actually. He's like, splendid. I look forward to seeing you there in those exact seats. And he keeps like moving. Ivy just like stands, you know, glaring at him. Harley walks by this room. There's like a, like a dance club in there. There's like this video coming live from Blackgate Penitentiary. They're like, let's hear it for DJ Daddy's Money. And it's S Daddy's with a, a dollar sign for the S. And she's like, is that mother trucking Bruce Wayne? So Bruce is a, because he has taken DJ lessons before. I guess he's a DJ Daddy's Money. So Harley's ticked off. She's like, Bruce is in prison. He still gets to be a poopy daytime DJ, but I can't even enjoy Vegas with my sumptuous life partner. And then her reflection starts talking to her like as Dr. Quinzel. And she's like, the reason he can do this is because Bruce and Batman are two different people. Harley yells that she's like, all the superheroes have secret identities. She's like, all my identities are public. The reflection says that if she had an alter ego, she could be partying with Ivy without getting in trouble with the Bat family. So Harley takes this pink wig off this lady like puking in a bathroom stall. And she puts on sunglasses and she calls herself Hargret. Instead of Margaret, Harley, Hargret. But she, she's still wearing her red and black, like, bathing suit outfit and thigh highs or whatever. She goes out, you know, she does some stuff. Uh, you know, does there People are playing Russian roulette, like, with a roulette table. But, like, actually, she, she like, she takes, grabs a gun, shoots, like, click, 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 click. Uh, she jumps on a blackjack table, like, throws money up. She takes part in, like, some fighting. Like, it's kind of like chicken fighting. Like, she's sitting on someone's shoulder or whatever. And then, uh, she, then she jumps onto Ivy's lap and kisses her. And then she slaps her. She's like, how dare you cheat on me? She like lifts her glasses and quietly is like, it's me, Harley Quinn. And her, Ivy's like, yes, sweetie, I know. You're wearing my bra. And she's like, this is just my natural perk, baby. And Ivy's like, I love this whole vibe, but are you going to get in trouble with the Bat family for like everything you're doing right now? And Harley's like, Harley might, but Hargret will not. Her phone rings again. It's you know, Batgirl. So she throws it across like it, it lands like perfect, like the corner in the dartboard. So she's like, we're going to party like the old days, like jugs out, rugs out. So then Harley goes up to Snowflame about some primo Colombian stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's like, well, how about we go you know, behind those slot machines, whatever. And she suggests somewhere more soundproof like his room. Meanwhile, King Shard, oh, uh, Tabitha wanted to make like some gumbo, you know, because she's like pregnant, you know, with the nine baby sharks or whatever. 
and it's supposed to be like the super impossible like to make recipe so he's trying to get all these and there's like crab legs and like a mermaid's tail and like all this like crazy stuff Hargret uh they arrive at snow flames room so Hargret hardly throws him on his bed then ivy comes out and this like plant in the corner and grows thick you know vines and wraps him up then she's like give me your clayface tickets or i'll fudge and kill you he's like i don't have them i swear he's like i was gonna dress up as a bellhop and ambush a guy there's like two bellhop outfits like hanging in his room he's like some hick who won a radio contest you know he was supposed to meet the concierge at 5 p.m to pick up the tickets and ivy's like should we kill him and Harley's like, I have a better idea. So she takes out a grenade, pulls a pin, sticks it in, in his mouth. And she's like, hope you're not a mouth breather. And uh, then they leave. But it's obviously the chocolate one, right? So they put on the, the bellhop out uniforms. They run down to the elevator. Then Harley starts getting like turned on. Ivy, you know, she's looking at her in the uniform. So they pull the emergency stop. They start like going at, you know, at it, you know, afterwards. Ivy comments how like, like, oh, you know, you, you know, she Harley did like some different moves or whatever. And she's like, can we bring Hargret back to Gotham? But then she's like, oh, you know, whatever. And, you know, Harley seems to feel a little weird about it. And so they go down to the, the lobby, you know, to go get the tickets. And then um, they like to face a clay face standy because it's like, and there's a sold out sign, but they write sell out over it. Then they see a kid being wheeled in and Harley's like, it's a cancer kid. Ivy's like, maybe the mom has like something or whatever, you know, and then, you know, she's a real monster. And Ivy's or Harley's like, let's just uh, take the parents tickets and go to the show with him. And, and Ivy's like, no, we can't do that. We need the third seat for our purses. So they go towards the kids and he's like holding the three tickets. He like looks scared and then he gets this evil grin. And he turns into Clayface. He's like, ha ha, tis I, the elusive Chantus Clayface, la 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 la. And people in the lobby, they applaud. Then the mom's like, wait, where's my son? Ivy yells. She's like, you twisted little freak. He's like, I knew you didn't have tickets. All you had to do was reply to one of the baker's dozens of emails and texts that I sent about my show. Oh, what's a few unread texts between friends? And <laughs> Clayface is like, no one cares for your opinion, stranger. So I guess he doesn't recognize that it's it's Harley. So the wig and glasses works. Then he, he goes on about Ivy thinking that she can come in, just get anything she wants. And he's like, I have eyes and ears and Ramona's everywhere. And he like spins and turns into Ramona. So Ivy groans. And she's like, you get one residency. And suddenly you're all like, ooh la la, I'm Clayface. I'm a big uh, diva. He's like, you're calling moi a diva? And then she's like, do you know who I am? And this like pot of plant explodes out of a vase and starts growing. He's like, do you know who I am? And, you know, Clayface grows a little taller. And she's like, yeah, I do. Boop. She like boops him on her nose and he like gasps. And Harley's like, hey, babe, can we uh, sidebar away from all these innocent bystanders? So they start fighting. Clayface, you know, his, his hands like turn, he turns them into like axes to chop at the vines. People are screaming and they're starting to trash a lobby. This dude is all upset because, like, the crab legs get taken again after Clayface grabs them all at the road. He's like, villains are destroying a buffet. Someone call a hero. So Harley's like, like, oh, my hero instincts are kicking in. And she sees this old lady, like, playing the slot. She's about to get hit. There's, like, this giant knocked-over bottle of champagne. The cork is about to pop out. So she turns off her bellhop uniform and wig, and she hops on. She hops on a cork. She rides the, the pop cork. Somehow she leaps forward off the cork, and she's... You know, on the slot machine, she spins the lady's chair out of the way. The cork hits the machine, and then it gets a jackpot. So the lady gets money. Ivy and Clayface smash through this wall. And now they're like backstage. Harley yells, "She's like, hey, cut this poop out!" 
And Clayface is like, Harley, he's like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I kind of love it. Ivy's been stepping out on you with a Vegas six in a tacky pink wig. At first I was like, Vegas six. And, but Harley's like, okay, Hargrave's at least a Gotham eight. So like, it's six, like a six out of 10, I guess. And then, you know, she gets between them. Ivy's like, get out of my way, Harles. Harley's like, you really want to kill a bunch of innocent people over tickets? They, they both agree. They're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Harley makes like one of the sandbag rope things you know, from backstage, wrap around Ivy and like pulls her up. A couple of Starro's bring in uh, Har- Harley's phone, you know, missed call, text from Batgirl. So there's a text from Batgirl, just checking in. I know it's a big decision. I'm here if you want to talk. Harley's like, okay, Mazel on the show. We're super proud of you, even though we would never tell you. And Clayface's like, easy to say, now that I'm a bona fide success. The gall, I might not even go on tonight after what you bitches bedraggled me through. And Harley's like, I know, I get it, you're mad, but you should know that your rage is making your forehead wrinkles pop. He looks in a mirror and he gasps. He's like, don't look at me, he runs away. Tabitha's watching it, some magic show. She's like heckling and she's commenting about the the magician guy, like about his looks or something too, or something like that. King Shark comes in with the gumbo and she's surprised. She's like, wait, how'd you actually do that? So it's almost like she wasn't expecting it. She just takes it. She's like, whatever. She just like literally like pours it down like her her, her gullet. Just and then she's like, oh, things are happening. And she's like, the soup is supposed to induce labor. So she's going into labor now. Harley cuts down Ivy. She says that she's like, oh, I could have gotten out of it. And Harley's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, you need to calm down. You know, things are getting out of hand. And Ivy's like, I was getting out of hand. She's like, LOL. She's like, okay, Hargret. And Harley's like, you know, sorry, I was just worried. And Ivy says, you know, she doesn't care about the Clayface tickets, but, you know, what are they doing if they can't even make fun of Clayface's show? So, you know, I guess it's like, you know, what else do they have in common if they can't do that? They hear Tabitha on stage. She's about to give birth. And then, you know, they're all standing there and bloop, bloop, bloop. They start shooting out. And, uh, but then the ninth one isn't moving and it's like sad and you know just looking at it it's like i'll just sitting there and then it coughs coughs up a card and the magician's like is this your card and tabitha's like it is and she grabs him and kisses him clayface comes out and he says that you know he's he's giving the babies front row tickets to his show and he whispers fudge you to ivy and she calls him a bitch king shark asks harley and ivy if they do them to honor being the godmothers and they're like of course whatever Tabitha's like okay you know time to go back to under the sea and king shark's like but i want to co-parent and Tabitha's like like we are she's like i'm taking the firstborn and, and you know you can have the rest or whatever and she's like you took care of me today so i think you'll be an okay dad then harley wants to say something to ivy but then she's like, well, I shouldn't say it. And Ivy's like, well, no. It's like, you got to say something. And she's like, okay, those sharklings are like fugly. And Ivy's like, oh, my God. It's like, thank you. I'm just so glad I'm not the only full-grown a-hole. It's like, mine was like wet, but also like sticky. And Harley's like, so sticky. They can, so they found something else to make fun of. So I guess that's their thing. So they continue making fun of how they look. And then they're like looking through like King Shark's Insta pics or Wayne's Instagram pictures they're laughing like over dinner and they're lying in bed so looking and laughing and making fun then harley's like like i've i've decided to move in with the bat family and she's like Haha. she's like whoa whoa what and harley's like it's just too hard to integrate my new job into my old life i need to immerse myself in you know pure uncut hero culture until it becomes second nature and ivy's like yeah okay okay you know go go for it and harley's like really and Ivy's like, yeah, I mean, you know, this is us figuring out how to make our new jobs work, right? Just um, don't take too long and smooch. 
And then Harley's like, oh, I almost forgot. I picked up a little something at the buffet. And then, you know, she pulls out some food. Then she's like, the food almost looks like one of the babies. And Ivy laughs and they continue making fun. And that's the end of the episode. So it seems like the basis of the relationship is making fun of something, someone, and smooching. It's like, that doesn't seem too too healthy. But they're supposed to be together. I mean, they're supposed to be a real couple. We'll see. Then uh, episode four, the first person to come back from a business conference without chlamydia. So Ivy's excited because she's going to the business convention on the moon. Nor, you know, they're like in a golf cart. She gives her some advice. She's like, uh, you know, avoid everyone from Thanagar. She's like, they all have chlamydia. Ivy's like, Nora, it's a business conference. It's not some intergalactic orgy situation. And Nora's like, oh, so you'd be the first person to come back from a business conference without chlamydia. Just the name of the episode. And Ivy's like, uh, I guess so. I mean, I'm I'm planning to dominate this conference, crushing panels, mingling at you know at drinks, making sick connections with evil CEOs. And Nora's like, okay, well, when it starts to sting, when you pee, call Professor Hugo Strange. He's a walking pharmacy. She like gives him a gives her a card. Then Ivy opens up another envelope. It's from Harley. It says, you know, written in there, the key to my chastity belt. There's a key tape to it. Love Harley. P.S. I didn't make a copy. Please don't lose it. And she's like, takes the key, sticks it in her bra. So their golf cart arrives at the rocket. Ivy comments. She's like, it's like the most expensive dildo I've ever seen. It totally looks like, you know, just wrong. there's like circular orbs and like black wires on, on the, the rocket's bottom orb parts. There's a voice on the intercom that says, there's a scientifically proven reason why it's, you know, it has to be shaped like that. And Ivy's like, what's with the pubes, dude? And they're like, they're, it's like, they, they're, I, they're antennas. They have to be coarse and wiry and on the balls. I mean, the, the orbs. She, so she tells Nora, she's like, let's get some quick pics of me with the space dong. And she like poses, you know, kind of people do with the Eiffel Tower type of thing. The mayor Joker complains, she's like, this is no way to treat an old friend. So Two-Face has him like hanging upside down, like over his desk. And Two-Face is like, I have to find a way to fill my days, Mr. Mayor. I wanted to steal a rocket ship, but they're all on the moon. And Joker's like, I can't believe I didn't get an invite to Malcon. She's like, last year I was giving the keynote. This year they act like I don't even exist. And Two-Face comments, he's like, well, I'm only using you as a dry run. You know, I plans on robbing the governor's mansion. He tells a dune, he's like, grab the giant scissors. Because <laughs> they're like leaning up against a bookshelf. And Joker's like, I need those for a car wash grand opening. Then the Bat family, including Harley, they bust her to windows. And Two-Face is like, oh, it's Bat Harley. He's like, you've got like two faces like me now. And she hits him with her, like her bat in the gut. And he's like, oh, I, I like the old one better. And then she is all, it's like, oh, there's Ivy. Because there's like, you see the rocket like taking off. She goes to the window, she like lifts her, her shirt and they like censor her boobs. And you know, she's whatever. And she's like, have a good time. Nightwing goes up to Two-Face. She's like, you may have two faces, but I have two maces. And he goes to reach like for his back, but they're not in his back holster things. He's like, wait, where are my maces? I didn't think they were actual maces. They're skirmish sticks, but whatever. And, and then Two-Face punches him. Robin groans. He's like, my shuriken, they're missing. And Harley's like, you're what? He's like, they're throwing stars. Doesn't matter. Help. Batgirl's like, uh, I know I packed my jello bombs. Like, where's our stuff? Harley's like, ha. She's like, send them my way. I'll handle it. And then whatever. Joker marvels over Harley's moves. He's like, oh, you still got it. He's, and he's like, you must really miss being evil, huh? Harley's like, stop projecting your own poop on me, Mr. Mayor. On the moon, Lex is getting ready. And he's, you know, he's standing in front of a mirror. He's like naked. He's got these things around his, his calves and his assistant's like pumping him up. There's like pumps in there. 
he takes his pill, he take, gets an injection with some green stuff. He says that there is no real him for tax purposes. Everything about him is artificial. He's like, my jawline, my shell companies, even all my all my lighting on, on the moon. He's like, and he gets like a full body peel, like all this goop goes on him and he pulls off his like old skin or something like that. And then Clark's there like interviewing him. He's like, so I've been on this moon for a week watching this conference come together and I still don't know what you'll be announcing at the keynote. And Lex is like, oh, well, it's just forever changing the nexus of science and industry. No spoilers. And Clark takes a sip of some tea given to him, or I think it was tea or maybe it was coffee. And his pupil get large and he yells, he's like, exciting. He's like, that's so great. I can't wait, man. Wow. This coffee, is this coffee extra strong? <laughs> and then he's like, I, I just am jazz. I am woo. And he's like, one last question uh, about your mentee, Poison Ivy. And Lex is like, or one of his uh, assistants, like, he's like, pass. This is an interview about Lex Luthor, not his protege. He has two uh, assistants there. And Lex is like, I am happy to talk about Ivy. It takes a lot of courage to install someone like her as a CEO. Not only is she a woman, but a green woman. Only a true forward thinker could come up with that. Someone so strong that he can crack a walnut with his armpits. He's like, do you want to see? He's like, some other stuff. And one of his assistants is like, don't print any of that. Because it's pretty sexist. At the back cave, Nightwing is panting. He's like, what happened to our gear? He's like, we look like amateurs out there. Harley's like, I thought I looked pretty good. And then uh, Batgirl's like, ugh. She's like, someone must have sabotaged us. Damien's like looking at, at a screen in a back computer. He's like, uh, why is mommy here? So you see one of the screens shows Tali was like some ninja. And then the screen goes static. And Harley's like, your mommy took our camera. Nightwing runs up. Ninja are carrying boxes out like on dollies. And like with boxes like Nightwing's gear, Batgirl, candlesticks. <laughs> he yells, he's like, unhand our stuff. And he reaches for a, a box. And Natalia like grabs his arm, like twi kind of twists it and flips him. And she's like, this has never been your stuff. It's property of Wayne Enterprises, which is teetering on a financial clip. So I am liquidating all non-essential assets. Batgirl's like, but we need our weapons to protect Gotham. Talia says, for two, for far too long, you, you coddled bat babies have relied on trivial gadgetry while you let your ultimate weapons grow soft, your bodies. And Damien's like, nuh-uh, I have a rock-hard six-pack. She lightly kind of like smacks his stomach and he groans like, mom... <laughs> but she like barely hit him and she says you know effective immediately you are no longer being financed by wayne enterprises now if you'll excuse me i'm off to the moon and a ninja hands her this little wrap gift box and she's like oh here happy birthday son and he's like uh my birthday was five months ago he opens it he's like is this a rattle there's like a big rumble and explosion talia's rocket takes off outside and harley's like i feel like she could have liquidated that on the moon, Ivy's like walking next to Lex. There's like some other people. They're heading into the Malcon. Lex puts a lanyard on Ivy, and she's like, "Oh, she's like, I've never really been into jewelry, but uh, okay." He's like, "Oh, it's it's a lanyard. It's for the conference." Then he gasps, almost like almost with, with glee. He's like, "Steppenwolf hasn't picked up his yet." It's a like, classic move. So he's like really into Steppenwolf for some reason. <laughs> they walk. And he asks if he heard about someone replacing the male trees in Gotham with female ones. And she's like, yeah, that was me. He explains about, you know, the male trees give allergies and, you know, with all of whatever. And the, the, the fruit and the female ones. And he's like, I'll send you an article. So even though she did it, he's like more than mansplaining it to her or whatever. Then he sees it or she sees a schedule and like up on, on this like bulletin board thing. There's a display screen. And she noticed that she's not on any, any of the panels. And she's like, I was just excited to impress everyone with my cool answers a question. Lex laughs. He's like, you're doing something way more important than panels. 
she's like, oh, there I am. And she starts reading this little tiny print. 45 second intro to Lex Luthor. Wait, what? He's like, that 45 seconds is the hottest time slot of the weekend. You have to save your voice. I'll have one of the Johns. Because both of his assistants, assistants are named John with no H. I'll have one of the Johns get you some tea. And he leaves. The John hands her a cup. She growls, but she drinks the tea. In the Batcave, they look at how much money they have pooled. They have like three coins, a piece of candy, and like a crumpled piece of paper. It's like, it's not a dollar. It's like it's like a post-it or something. Then Harley pulls out some money. And she's like, ha, my life savings for the fam. Nightwing like takes it, counts it. He's like, 19 bucks. That won't even cover the electricity for my air fryer. And he like tosses the money down. Night or Batgirl's like, okay, we have $19 and ugh, a silver baby rattle. Maybe they can sell it. And Damien's like, we're screwed. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, I'm going to have to go to school. Where will I sit at lunch? And Barbara's like, no one is going to school. We just need to figure out a way to generate some money. Harley's like, I can sell locks of my hair. She's like, oh, wait, better idea. Nightwing, that ass. Live cam, baby. He's like, hey, my glutes are not for sale. And Harley's like, oh, selfish jerk. She's like, I'll do it. I used to run out my feet to rich woman who needed her shoes broken in. And she's like, I bet my profile's still active. Batgirl's like, okay, so not that, but renting does give me an idea. So the Wayne Manor doorbell rings. This couple was, the guy almost looks like Shaggy. He's wearing a green shirt. He's got like a little goatee, like soul patch thing. His hair is messy, but he's a little, little, little bigger, a little heavier. And uh, the lady almost looked a little like Shelly Duvall, but she's got like some piercing, you know, she's got short hair. And then he's like, hello, is this Clegg B&B? And Harley's like, yes, welcome. You know, they're wearing like civilian clothes. Harley's like wearing like pink sweats or something like that. Yes, welcome. You must be Amelie and Jonas. Jonas. And Bar- Bar- so he pronounces it that way. Barbara gives uh, Jonas a binder with all the info to Wi-Fi password, history to house, and of course, restaurant recommendations. Jonas sees like, he's like, oh, look at the fancy doorknob. He tries opening the door, but then Dick like goes up. He's like, you can't go in there. He goes to the next door or there. And there's like several signs on the doorway saying no guests allowed. Then he whispers to the other, he's like, this is too risky. He's like, what if they find out who we actually are? And Barbara's like, it's all going to be worth it. She's like, between renting out the place, couponing, and Damien's like, I'm getting so many paper cuts. I hate being a poor. And she's like, we have to buy back our gear. And Harley's like, or we use the money to keep the lights on, and I teach you to fight without your gear. I think Talia might be right about you guys. You're kind of useless. You're you're kind of useless, soggy nutsacks without your little gadgets. At Melcon, um, Alfred is there. He's talking about his white-collar wine. He's like, it started as a single toilet bowl with a crusted bologna sandwich, and now white-collar wine is the official beverage of Melcon. And Clark actually tries some. He's like, wow. He's like, what's this feeling? It's like my head is spinning and my tummy is a rumbly. He's like, but I also feel happy. Ivy reaches for glass and like, Lex like, slaps her hand. He's like, none for you. Alcohol dries out the vocal cords. One of the Johns comes, gives her another cup of tea. And he's like, there's someone I'd like to introduce you to. She's a woman like you. And then she cuts him off. She's like, because it's Talia. And she's like, hey, love the tote. The, uh, she's, so Talia loves her tote bags. This one says, I'm a moonver and a shaker. Lex's like, oh, you know each other? And Talia's like, God, you've been on the moon too long. We already met at the evil woman in business luncheon. And he's, he's, he almost seems like surprised. He's like, evil luncheon? You know. Lex gets uh, pulled away. Talia says Ibeater's schedule is probably packed, but she'd love to, to get a couple's massage. And she's like, oh, these lanyards are killing my neck and my vibe. And 
Ivy's like, actually, I wasn't placed on any panels. So if you're free anytime except 45 seconds before Lex's keynote, then, you know, Talia like curses Lex. She's like, you're the hot new blood here. Don't let that Ken Dal wannabe hold you back. Then uh, there's like a red portal appears. It's I guess it's a boom tube. Steppenwolf comes out. He has like this big kind of battle cat horse cat thing that he's he's riding. Lex is all excited and he actually bumps Ivy because he rushes like, to go up to him. People crowd around. Ivy is now determined to get some face time with Steppenwolf. So then we see a panel going on. Elon Musk is there. He actually gets yanked off by some some vines and like tossed aside. So Ivy sits in his chair, you know, answers questions. Uh, Steppenwolf was in the, the audience. I don't know if he was asking a question and she like went in to answer or something like that. Then later Steppenwolf was like golfing outside on the moon. Ivy and Talia like rappelling down a crater where Mark Zuckerberg is taking a photo. So Ivy's like, hey Zuckerberg, have fun in the metaverse dweeb. And she like unhooks his cable. He starts floating away screaming. Steppenwolf like laughs, gives her a thumbs up. At a bar, she sends a drink over to Steppenwolf and like a, a dog bowl of something to his big dog creature, cat, horse thing or whatever. So now people are are, are noticing, uh, you know, she's handing out CEO business cards. The horse thing, whatever, gives her a card and it's like, it's handwritten. It's like, let's grab Java, Steppy. So Ivy's sitting at a table with them. She's like, I'm just really flattered that you wanted to get Java with me. He's like, you're the woman of the hour. I have unlimited resources. You have unlimited ideas. Let's collaborate. At the manor, Damien's cutting coupons while Harley's training like Barbara and Dick. And she's like, and you're both dead. Come on, you can do better than that. She's like, you know, she flips some knocks down. And Barbara's like, what the heck? That was dangerously close to my nipples. Then Harley gives her like a noogie. She's like, toughen up. You think real villains are above giving you a titty twister? She's like, think again. And she gives Dick a double one and he goes down. He cries out. And he's like, ah, he's like, I want my bat stun gun. And Harley's like, if you want a weapon, she's like, look around. Everything is a weapon. So Barbara's like, fine. She's like, what about my belt that Amelie poked four extra holes in? And Harley's like, horrible choice for fashion, great choice for a weapon. And she wraps it around Barbara's throat. <laughs> Dick's like, what about cheese balls? He's like, there are several on the floor this morning. I nearly broke my neck. He's like, those Euro scum are trying to kill me. Harley's like, okay, paranoid. She's like, I'm sure it's just a Swedish tradition. Then Jonas pops in. Hello, do you recommend any Thai food? And Barbara's like, it's in a binder, Jonas. Jonas. And he's like, thanks. Yeah. And Barbara's like, why are they cooking? They just asked for Thai food, Rex. And you can hear like a muffled Amelie. How do I use a dishwashi? Dick cries out in anguish and Harley gets a text. And she's like, oh, oh, guess whose girlfriend is making headlines on the moon? So Harley reads... It's like, move over, son. Poison Ivy makes the moon shine bright. There's another headline. Ten things Poison Ivy can't live without on the moon. And Harley gasps. She's like, I got to call Ivy for the deets. So Ivy's walking. Uh, people call out to her. Some are handing her business card. Harley calls to congratulate her in the news going across her feed. Ivy mentions, you know, like going to the bathroom and a woman, you know, trying to reach in a stall to you know, try to steal her underwear. And Harley's like, can I try selling, you know, some online since, you know, we're, we're down to like cans of baked beans. And Ivy's like, sure. She's like, you know, got to give the market what, what it wants. Hi, Harley already has like a webpage set up to sell them. So she like publishes it, hits live. Then Ivy's like, she's like, I'm having so many ideas too. And, and everyone thinks that they're brilliant. Then we see Lex and Talia. They're sitting while watching a couple of 
surrogates go at it. And he's like, oh, this is much more efficient and less cleanup. And he talks about how great the con is going. You know, he designed everything, even the sweatshirts. And she says, you know, it was smart putting Ivy front and center because, you know, she's a star. Every panel that she's been on has been packed. And he's like, oh, she's not on any panels. She's saving her voice for my keynote. Talia's like, or maybe next year you'll be introducing her keynote. You should have been keeping an eye on her. So Joker... He's looking at his Instagram feed. There's lots of stuff about the con. And he, he's actually in a meeting with a gardener. And he's like bored out of his mind. Dick gets out of the shower. He starts toweling off. And he's like, what's that strange draft? Then he sees like in a the mirror, there's like two butthole cheeks. You know, or his, his butt. There's two holes in his towel and his, his butt cheeks are sticking out through it. He's like, that's it. He storms off down the hall. It's time to pack your bags, your, you Euro pervs. Opens the door. He finds Barbara and Damien tied up like tied and gagged then he tells them that he, that he he's like i told you that amelie and Jonas couldn't be trusted and he's like beautiful pronunciation he hits dick in the back of the head with the baby rattle so lex and ivy are standing off side of the stage she's like what's that noise and he, he says that he's pumping up his calves he's like got his thing in his hand and she tries saying but she caught she's like she's like you're wearing pants he's like you think you can hide chicken calves behind pants so she clears her throat again. He's like, what's going on with your voice? Then the MC dude on stage announces, your keynote speaker, Mr. Lex Luthor, with an introduction by the incredible, the incomparable, the absolutely insidious Poison Ivy. Standing ovation. Lex is not happy. And he's like, you know, she's been speaking on a panel. He's like, why did I think I could count on you? He's like, did you even do the throat douche that the Johns gave you? And Ivy's like, Lex, did you really think I'd spend all my time in a moon, like douching my throat, waiting to talk about you? So yeah, I did panels. I did all the panels. And she coughs again. He pulls her away from the mic. And he starts talking. He's like reading her script on a teleprompter. He's like, what an amazing time to be a woman in villainy. He's like, I'm humbled to be the LOD's first CEO with a labia. And he mutters, he's like, keep scrolling, get to me. So then he's like, it's an honor for you to watch me announce my new initiative using the latest LexCore technology developed right here on the moon. I devised a plan to thicken the ozone layer, reverse global warming, and save the Earth. He pulls his tarp off this giant device. The Earth Saver by Lex can now beam new ozone particles into the atmosphere, literally wherever. And if I keep saving the Earth, we can keep destroying it. The audience cheers. I'll now open it up for questions. So someone's like, sounds like socially conscious evil. Did Lex steal your idea, Ivy? And Lex is like, this has nothing to do with her. Someone else is like, Ivy, you said in an earlier panel, I'm quoting, I love bread. Can you expound on that? No more questions for Ivy. Lex starts sweating and he's he's like pumping up his calves like more and more. Is it true you're collaborating with Steppenwolf? So more, more pumping, pumping, and then his caps explode. There's like blood all over the audience. He like falls on his butt. And he's like, you're working with Steppenwolf. And then in a raspy voice, she's like, Oh, you know what? Honestly, it's casual. He did offer to bankroll whatever I want to do next. I'd go into more detail, but you know, I'm saving my voice. The John's like lift him up. He's like, that's enough. Everybody get off my moon. He hits this red button and this alarm goes off. The dome ceiling opens up. Stuff starts getting sucked out at the manor. Amelie is upset. She thought that they'd have more stuff. Jonas says that he's like oh some people must have already taken everything harley walks in she's like honeys i'm home i made bank off my first batch of ivy stongs and she sees what's going on she's like they're robbing us time to take out the euro trash she runs at amelie but then Jonas steps in front of her and punches harley in the face she hits Jonas in the gut but it doesn't seem to have any effect on him and then she punches him like several more times like nothing 
he does fall back, but he gets up with a smile. And she's like, how are you still standing? And he's like, it's the drugs. They permanent turned off the pain receptors in my brain. So then the two punch Harley in the face like in unison. She gets up, wipes her, wipes her bloody nose, and she jumps back at them. On the moon, rockets are taken off. Uh, intercom or whatever says oxygen levels are 10%. People are scrambling to get out. You see like Elon Musk, he, he like tries pushing some lady out of the way, but then he gets hit. His, he gets hit in the head and it's like his eyeball goes flying out. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's done. Um, Clark takes off his glasses. He's like, fear not, evil business leaders. I'll save you. He tries leaping, but then falls. And he's like, oh, corn nuts. Luther's lined his place with trace amounts of kryptonite. That explains a lot, actually. So that's why the coffee had such an effect and the wine. Steppenwolf asks Ivy's, want a ride? I have to stop on Earth to pick up my lovers, Scruffy, Scruffy Adelson, my Moroccan fashion model boyfriend and notorious good boy. Ivy's like, you know, I got a date with a blonde in a chastity belt, but I could stop by Casablanca first. So they go through to Boom Tube. Lex is walking now. He has two leg casts and he's like sipping a bottle of something i don't know what it was. i don't know if they said the johns and talia are, are behind him and talia's like nice and they say women are too emotional harley's like still punching and kicking Jonas. he kicks her in a, in a crotch but it's like ding and she's like ha it's like eat chastity belt so she really is wearing one then she gets like knocked down by amelie and she's about to get stopped but then barbara gets free of her rope uses her belt to grab amelie's leg like pulls her down barbara picks up like an empty bottle Dick pulls, picks up a spoon. Damien picks up the uh, the guest binder. So they they team up. They're delivering blow after blow on Jonas and Harley's like, "Oh, look at us! We're the best Bat family now." And she mentions that she has enough from Ivy stuffs so they can buy cameras so no one can steal from them and stuff like that. So the gardener dude, the Joker is talking to before he's sitting on his lawnmower. He's like trying to turn it, it like won't turn over, and then finally, blows up. And then, like, you see Joker comes out of, like, the smoke. He's cackling. Fire is, like, glowing, like, reflected in his eyes. So it uh, looks like Joker snapped. He reverted back. Damien is on at the back computer. He can't type because his paper cuts and all his bandages. He's like, well, I'm going to bed. Barbara's like, like, well, I have a headache from, that, from Jonas's body spray. She's like, I am too. Then on a the camera, you can see someone, like, walk into the room reaches for Nightwing, I'm assuming it's his air fryer, tosses on the floor and it breaks. Then the camera pans, or our view pans up. It's Harley and her, her eyes are like half open. So it's like, is she sleepwalking? It's like, why, what's going on? That's where the episode ends. So, um, it, so of the two episodes, I say, you know, again, the what I like about the show and what I think a lot of people like is that, you know, it's it's very extreme. It, you know, no boundaries. It just pushes the envelope as far as possible. That's all fine, everything. But you know, sometimes it's just too much. It's too absurd at times. But I guess that's the nature of the show. So of the two, I think I like the Vegas one better. I mean, this one was had some fun moments, but yeah, we'll see. So that was a uh, episode three and four. All right, now Twisted Metal. Uh, so as I mentioned, you know, all the episodes are out on Peacock. I'm a little bothered by that, but I think that's just my own problem. And, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, do you have Peacock? Are you watching? Do you, you want to hear about it still? Do you not care? So I'm planning on doing two episodes this week. I was going to do more. I was, you know, the show's only a 30-minute show, which, which you know, I'm, I'm a fan of those, you know, because it, 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 
moves things along. You know, and, and a lot of the, the hour-long shows, sometimes they, they tend to drift down to like, you know, 40 minutes or 45 minutes. So there's something about the 30-minute shows, just, you know, again, faster pace and all that. So with, with this, uh, the reason I, I want, really want to cover this show is because I, I, I'm, I'm an Anthony Mackie fan. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I got to interview him, you know, for Winter Soldier. Super nice guy. He's funny. He's charismatic. And I, I just, I want to support the guy and, and I, I, you know, enjoy what he does. With the Twisted Metal, you know, when I first heard, it's like, they're making a show out of Twisted Metal. I mean, this is, you just drive around in cars shooting at people, you know, vehicular combat. It's like, how can I make a show about this? But I know that the games, you know, there is like a backstory, you know, with the characters. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was more like a, a Twisted Metal Black thing where they really like focus on your character story or something like that. Because um, as I played the games, I think I have like three of them. I know I have Black and I, I might have like one and two or, or something like that. Or maybe two and three. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I've never, I, I couldn't tell you much about the other characters. Cause like, I know John Doe is a, is a reference to a, a character driving one of the cars in black. And, um, there's agent stone. He's also one of the characters in twisted metal black. So, you know, you, you have all that. And it, it's kind of funny cause, um, Oh, and so the reason I haven't watched more than two episodes this week, so things have still been busy. Here's my excuses. Uh, my daughter is still out. You know, when I brought her back, we came back from, from, where she lives for Taylor Swift concert. And then uh, we had a, a wedding to go to. And, you know, I was talking to my brother-in-law about the, the show and, you know, I was explained to him, he's like, oh, so it's like, like the road warrior, like Mad Max. I'm like, uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. So it, it seems like it's a fun show. And while I probably could have maybe tried squeezing in another episode or before, I'm just, I'm just, trying to keep my mental state, you know, trying to just keep things manageable because, you know, watching this stuff, reading all the comics and everything, you know, it, it does take a long time. And I know it sounds like I'm just making, you know, petty excuses or whatever, but I'm also, you know, down to the, like the last week before I start going back to school and everything. So I just want to just kind of take it easy and, you know, spend time with family and my daughter while she's here and, and all that and, you know, her, her puppy. So let's uh, get to it. It's a, episode one. W-L-U-D-R-V, so all capitals. And I guess that apparently I, I looked at this, I'm like, okay, what does that stand for? I had to look on on IMDb at a trivia. That's like my go-to for trivia usually. So it's um, W-L will, capital U-U, D-R-V, will you drive? It's like, okay. Anthony Mackey's John Doe, he narrates, uh, narrates, narrates, I don't know why I can't say that. John Doe narrates, 20 years ago, the world fell to poop. A big old apocalyptic dump. Some bug took out all the world's computers. Power grids down, internet gone, and not having easily accessible porn freaked people to fudge out. So cities put up walls to protect themselves and threw the criminals out into the chaos so they could fight over what was left, which was not much. Mostly cars and guns. Now insiders stay inside and outsiders stay outside. But there are people who drive between badasses, legends, humble mother truckers like me, delivering precious cargo from one walled city to another. It's not an easy road because all these a-holes want what I got. And that's where the cars and the guns come in. So we see some cars are chasing John Joe. They're shooting him. They're actually like driving through them all. The cars are all tricked out, you know, with guns and everything, cannons like on the side. Anthony Mackie, John Doe's like blasting music. You know, I forget what CD he puts in. You know, he puts something in. He's cracking jokes, you know, during the, the, the combat. 
there's one explosion, like a, a twisted metal video game, you know, Sony game falls on the windshield. He like looks, stares at it as he hits like the windshield wipers and it, you know, goes flying off his, his windshield. He, then he's like trying to figure out where's the exit. So there's a mall directory and he like kind of skids around it. You know, there's this truck chasing him. There's like a dude on the back with like a, one of those big cannon guns. And he's looking at saying, he's like, if I'm here, the exits. And then he's like, oh, they have a footlocker. And then you know more shooting uh he drives spins around grabs a shotgun blows the driver's head off the truck keeps going hits this like big cement plant structure thing in the middle kind of back goes flying across the mall so there's there's like blood splatter and you know it's it's violent so he 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 drives oh and as he's driving off he this part bothered me a little bit one because all the other stores are like closed but he drive as he drives by the footlocker he grabs a sneaker as he drives by whatever funny haha but then later you know he gets out of the car you see he has new sneakers but he only grabbed one or whatever so he makes it there's a sign you know over like these gates three rivers gateway to california there this guy with a rifle nervously asks him for his id and you know he he has like a gas station store like mini you know plastic california license plate it says john doe like all one word then he, he takes it, looks at his got milk bumper sticker, and he says to the other, he's like, it's a milkman. And he's like, it must be our delivery. And John's like, they know me. He's like, I'm here all the time. He's like, hey, Doug. And the guy's like, hey, John. And he's like, he's new. So then John's like, oh, a virgin. He's like, oh, I got a big package from you, all the way from Peso Robles. So they give him some cans of gas. The new guy says that they have some deliveries for him to uh, deliver. And he's like, where to? And Doug's like, fresh batteries for the Gainesboro colony and the usual shipment of medicines in New San Francisco. He's like, New San Fran? It's been a month already? And to the new guy, he's like, what's your name, Slugger? He's like, Abner. Abner? He's like, really? I, I mean, it's a nice name, but you don't meet too many. Then he asks him, he's like, can you, can you come closer? He's like, hey, is it all right if I step inside? Then Abner holds up the gun, yells, and he, he's like, no, you're not allowed in. John's like, all right. He's like, I was just testing you. Because like so, I guess no one, not even the milkman, the delivery guy, is allowed to, inside the gate. So he he drives off. So the delivery was dog food. Because when the guy's like, tonight we feast. But I guess if they're post-apocalyptic, you know, maybe their resources are limited. Anthony Mackie continues. He's like, see, a milkman's job is never done. It's a big world out there. But at the end of the day, all that matters is me, Evelyn, which is his car, and the road. At another stop. Man, dog, and a, a, there's a man in a dog suit. It's like on a leash. Hands him a, a package. He's like, "No way! It's a Bosch Icon Premier windshield wipers." So he gets new wipers for his car. So when he makes a delivery, they pay him with stuff. You know, they give him gas, but usually some other stuff as well. You know, it's not about cash because what's he going to do with cash? There's not, no stores out there. More driving. At one point, he goes under like an overpass, and this dude drops down on his roof. He's like, "Give me your package, milkman." He's like, "Get off!" He hits some like switches. This gun pops up on the top, shoots a guy like between the, the crotch or something like that. And blood like trickles down the windshield, and then he's like marveling over like the new wiper blades as it's like wiping the blood off his windshield. Then he, you know, at one point he's on the side of the road, takes a leak. There's this a couple like trying to break into his car, so he like shoots by one. He like wags his finger, and then a. Uh, the, they run off. The woman like flips him off, and and you see she's like missing a finger, and he's like kind of like surprised, catches them off guard, or something like that. He makes a, a stop at a beach, has this little fire. It's like relaxing. He admires this group of sea lions. And he's like, oh, must must be nice. 
there's this one little like baby sea like CGC I sea lion looking at him with like big eyes. And then later he's like cooking some meat. So did he kill a little sea lion just for like a piece of meat and then probably like wasted a rest? Is that right? But you know, he's uh looking at this like charred picture. There's like him as a with his parents. You can't see the parents because it's kind of burnt, but you see him as, as a kid. And he's like, Well, at least I was a cute kid. So then he's later he's driving over to Golden Gate. He goes, there's like a camp of people outside, you know, like shopping carts and just like almost like homeless people, but it's like, you know, they're the outsiders, so they're just doing what they can to survive. There's the armed guards at the gate, they know him. So he gives him a box, or they give him a box, and it's like a gun with some bullets. And, and he's like, it's like, oh, wow. And everything, he's really, it's really nice. Then he's like, what am I taking to San Diego for you? And then the guy's like, stop. And he's like, listening to his calm. He's Then he says, uh, John, he's like, the COO of New San Francisco wants to talk to you inside. And John's like, like inside, inside? They're like, let him through, open the gate. He's like, holy fudge, because he's never been in there. Then, you know, guards are holding their guns out because the people are gathering around, like, watching. They're like, clear the perimeter because they want to get in. But, you know, they got guns trained on them. So he's directed where to park. Uh, he kind of makes this big play at, you know, because he has to park between these two, like, massive, like, hummers. And, you know, he's like, it's almost like, kind of like, like, a, what I call Austin Power style, if you know what I'm talking about. He's all smiling when he gets out. So then, then the this lady guard, she's like, now strip. He's like, what? So then you see he's like showered with some like some green liquid from like up above from hoses. His tush is like sprayed with like some perfume or something like that. He's like all confused and he's gets a concerned look. His clothes are brought back to him. I think they're laundered. And then they they keep his knife. He's like, oh, I'm not gonna get that back. And they're like, no. And then uh, then a bag is placed over his head. So this lady, her name's Raven, according to closed caption. She's like, hi, John, I'm Raven. It's Nev Campbell. She's like, I'm the COO of New San Francisco. So she has a, a bottle brought over. It's like a bottle of beer. And she's like, what's it like on the outside? And stuff like that. Then she says that they get a lot of milkmen that come there, but none have come more than twice. She's like, you, on the other hand, have come dozens of times. And she's like, I want to hire you. And he's like, to do what exactly? She's like, what you do best, pick up a package, bring it back. He's like, mm, it can't be that simple. And she's like, well, there are a few complications. One, you can't know what you're transporting. He's like, oh, okay, I have one question. She's like, it's not organs. He's like, damn it, it's never organs. He's like, so what's the second complication? She says that the package is in New Chicago. And he kind of like chokes on his beer and chuckles. He's like, oh, sorry, um, thanks for the beer. He gets up to leave. She's like, John, sit. He's like, no, look. He's like, I'm sorry, New Chicago is too far and it's too risky. She's like, sit, please. She's like, now, I've got to tell you, I got a lot of power. I can make people's desires, their dreams, their every wish come true. So, John, what do you wish for? He's like, wow, okay. He's like, I wasn't ready for that. Um, well, hmm, uh, unlimited gas, mm -hmm. uh, a new t shirt. This one's kind of smelly. Uh, toilet paper. You have no idea what I would do for some two ply. She's like, I think I can do better. He's like, three ply? And she's like, how about a tour? So they go out in the streets. There's people like kind of like shopping, kids going to school. And she's like, see anything you like? He's like, that's what I get, a souvenir. He's like, okay, I'll take that girl's hat. And she's like, no, John, this is your prize. If you go to New Chicago and bring this package back for me, I will make you a citizen of New San Francisco. He's like, I get to live here? She's like, John, I remember when the colonies closed themselves off when they threw the murderers and the thieves and the bad guys out into the world to fend for themselves without law and order. But you, you don't belong out there. You're not one of them. She's like, John, if you do this, 
you won't be returning with a package. You'll be coming home. Then we see in Nevada, the couple who tried robbing John, they're being chased by the police. They're, they're driving this like pink hearse. And it looks like they're going to make it, you know, they're getting away. But then the cop hits some switches. The bomb goes off in the road. They like flip off the side, like it's big, not really a ravine. It's like this big like crater or whatever. And they did land like on, on top of the car. And you, San Francisco, Raven brings John into his apartment. She's like, make yourself at home. She's like, I'll be right back. He's like marveling over everything. He's standing by, you know, his big, like the walls, like all windows. And he's, and he's like, perfect place for an ambush. He hears some like a stumping noise. He's like, called it. He reaches for his knife. He doesn't have any weapons. So he looks around and grabs this little vase or something like that. Someone comes down the stairs and this dude kisses Raven. And he's like, oh, you have a good day? And he's carrying a baby. So she's like, John, this is my husband, Noah. And he's like, huh. He's like, hi, uh, I was just admiring your uh, uh, this thing. Puts the, like the base back down. He's like, oh, it's an honor. I've met, never met a milkman before. John like stares at the baby. He's like, or, and uh, Raven's like, and you've never met a baby before, have you, John? He's like, no. She's like, her name is Dove. He's like, hi, Dove. And she like grabs his finger and he like chuckles. And she's like, she likes you. And she's to her husband, she's like, John's staying for dinner. He's like, I am? So Raven cooks some like sort of meat. John's preparing. He's, he's about to cut like some asparagus. Realize he has nothing to cut it. And she hands, I, I think she hands him his blade back. So it, it doesn't look like he like he knows how to properly hold like a, like a knife and fork. Cause he's like holding really awkwardly. The food's like really good. He takes the first bite. Then he admires the two, like how they interact with Dove. They sing like wheels on a bus or whatever. And he's thinking back to like his charred photo. Then Noah says like, oh, almost forgot dessert. He's like jello. So Raven says, she's like, John, aren't you tired of almost dying every day and looking in the rearview mirror and only seeing yourself? Aren't you tired of always being alone? She's like, so what do you say, John? Will you drive? Which I guess is the name of the episode, right? And then the jealous like put down on the table. So outside, Raven hands him a watch with like a timer. It's like a, it almost looks like a Casio watch, whatever. And she's like, you have 10 days to pick up the package and deliver it here. One second over and the deal expires. She's like, can you handle that? He's like, I can handle that. They get to his car. He's like, you fixed my window because it, it got shot out like in the mall. And he, so he gets in. He like plays with it like up, down, up, down like a kid. He's like smooth. And she's like, see you in 10 days, John. And he's like, until then, jello, Raven, which is like stupid. Then like he, he goes to get out back forth, back forth, back forth, you know, trying to get out of the parking spot. Then she's like, bye, John, bye. Then as he drives off, she like thrust the baby out to a lady guard. She's like, get, get it back to its mother. And she takes out a cloth, like wipes her hands. And then she tells Noah, she's like, the payment's in your apartment. She's like, and then she's like, I'm done with him. Ugh. And the guard like pushes Noah on his way. So not her baby, not her husband. What, and we don't know what he's supposed to be getting. So she's not apparently as nice as she seems. And uh, the question is, will she let him into the city? The police or whatever, they, they, ha- they have the couple out of the car. They, they're tied up. The silent lady driver. So she's credited as quiet. And, and, and um, the dude is loud. Now, I think these are new characters for the show. So the main cop, his name is Agent Stone, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church. Um, you may know him as Lowe from Wings or Sandman from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3. But he's always going to be Lowell to me. So he's he walks up to him. He's like, bet you kids are wondering why we pulled you over today. And then the, the dude, loud, he's he, he's like... You didn't have to, we didn't hurt anybody. We're innocent. 
and in Stone laughs. He tells a story about an officer who stomped out the little sins before they set fire to the bigger ones. He's like, crime was down, no tolerance, no mercy, not even for petty vandalism, you know, defecating in a park. He's like, gosh, not even looting. Like He saved New York's and I'm saving this country. He's like, now then, you two have a choice, you and your lover. And he's like, sister, we, we have the same mom and dad. And he's like, I know what a sister is. He's like, as I was saying, you and your sister have a choice. You can resist, in which case I'll have to napalm the both of you. Or one of you, you can make the tough choice. And he tosses down a gun. He's like, take your own life. Consider it your punishment for the crimes committed against the law. They look at each other and like shake their heads. Then they like hold hands. Tear goes down uh, her face. The other officers like cock their, their rifles, you know, they're pointed at their heads. Then a dude picks up the gun. Eat my ass, mother trucker. Shoots himself in the head. And she's like in shock. And then Stone's like, look at all the brains. Like, who knew? And then he like looks at, at her hand and like the missing finger. He's like, oh, that's why you're quiet. You're from Orange County. He's like, I've heard the barbaric things those insiders will do to their own to keep them in line. But you, you won't need to let others know you cross paths with Agent Stone. So the other officers are like, heating up like this like a badge thing or something with like a blowtorch and there he's like let's go boys so they hold her up the hot badge is pressed against her upper bicep and she like silently screams you know so i guess it seems you know she can't talk maybe that's why she's called quiet and then stone holds up a bullet he's like just in case you decide to take the path of your brother she's like laying on the ground like in pain he like tosses next to her face on the ground he's like you have a nice day now ma'am and they like spray painted resisted on the side of their overturned wreck car so she and then she picks up the bullet so john goes into his old deserted diner he hits like a trip wire and he takes a step inside and he like curses this alarm beeps he calls out to someone named tommy this old guy comes he disarms a bomb or whatever john's like i need a map and tommy mentions that he has several maps for for going north he's like i'm not going north i'm going east and tommy like slowly turns around he's like east he's like how far east are we talking and john's like new chicago tommy's like He's like, give me your belt because you're clearly suicidal. And John's like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. He's like, you have no idea what's out east, do you? And John's like, of, of course I don't. He's like, I've never driven past Barstow. He's like, that's why I'm here, seeing your pretty face. So Tommy's like, New Chicago is 2,132 miles from here. You know what that means? And John's like, I shouldn't walk. And Tommy moves a slap on the side of the head. He's like, it means 2,132 miles of no cover, no protection, no safe harbor. The only shelter means dealing with a bunch of brainwashed, burger-worshipping screwballs. John's like, I'm not that desperate. He's like, well, you might be. He's like, the, road, the roads out east aren't like the roads here. You won't be dealing with your run-of-the-mill vultures. It's like, these boys are predators. Even the people trying to bring the law back are just as dangerous. He's like, there's chaos out there, John. You'll be dealing with it alone. So I've got to ask, is the risk worth the reward? And he thinks back to his visit in New San Francisco, everything experienced. He like smiles. And then he like leaves a box of crayons for Tommy and takes a map. And Tommy's like, you're going to have to go through Vegas, John. We both know who rules Vegas. Cut to a shot of an ice cream truck playing Wheels on the Bus, which is what Raven was singing a dove. Inside the truck, we see Sweet Tooth dancing. And he's like shirtless with like his what, straps around, you know, whatever. And he's got his mask on. And then he stops when he hears like an engine roar and he starts laughing. So Quiet looks at her scarred arm. She hears a car. She takes out the gun so it's john driving and he wonders like why the map is so small because it's it's basically a children's diner coloring map it's not even a real map and then he like sees like a, a drawing of it he's like is that a penis 
And then he like looks up, slams on a brake because Quiet is stupidly standing in the middle of the road. So it's like he he would have hit her, and so apparently she lucked out that he didn't hit her, and that she knew that he wouldn't. So he like you know looks up and and she's gone. You know he reaches for the glove glove uh, box to pull out his gun. Then she's at the driver window, which is rolled down. She's pointing her, the gun that she has at his head. He's like, you know, it's really rude not to introduce yourself before pulling a gun on someone. She points up in the sky and like fires and then sticks it in the side of his mouth. He's like, oh, this is ruder. And she motions for him to get out. He pulls his blade out, sticks at her, at, at her throat. He's like, how about you lower that sorry excuse for a gun and I'll lower my exceptionally cool blade. And we, you know, we don't want things to escalate, do we? She like cocks the gun. But it's like... Does she only have one bullet? Or maybe she had her own gun because it almost looks like, because, you know, you can see if there's only one bullet in the gun, for, but it looked like there's more than that. So I don't know if she, whatever. He looks down at her missing finger and recalls that, you know, she flipped them off after he shooed them away. He's like, it's you. Then they both hear like wheels on the bus playing and they like look confused. Sweet Tooth is driving, cackling. John's like, we don't have time for this. How about you tell your partner to come out from where he's hiding? And then she like tenses up. He's like, okay, whoa, he's like touching her. And he notices she's wearing his jacket because he's in a flashback. He's like, you're hurt. I get it. He's like, there's a way out of this, okay? And she she pulls out another gun like from his pocket. They both turn to the oncoming Sweet Tooth and the first episode. So episode... 102, 3RNCRCS. 3RNCRCS. That apparently means three ring circus. Okay. So it picks up, you know, right there. John Doe and Quiet are, are holding guns at each other. Then Sweet Tooth is driving up. He said, There's a way out of this. She pulls out his other gun. They aim. And then he's like, Stop. He or he yells out. And then they go to fire. Click, click, click. He's like, this has never happened to me before. So his gun's not loaded, I guess. He takes, you know, all, all the guns. He's like reaching for bullets. He like drops one of the guns. He drops some, you know, picks up some drop bullets. He, he's like, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. He looks up and she's gone. She jumped into his car and she's like started up. And he like runs after her. He manages to get into the passenger side because the door was like open. And then, you know, he holds up the gun. He's like, this time it's loaded. Six bullets, each with your name on it, if you don't get out of my car right now. And then he notices that, that she's holding a blade to his crotch. And he's like, that said, I'm willing to negotiate. Which is just like, whatever. Um, th then the engine, like, sputters. He's like, oh, I guess Evelyn doesn't like you very much. He's like, I'll make you a deal. You scooch over, and I'll get you out of this alive. But you better think fast, because that ain't no birthday clown. She finally, like, nods once. And then they like awkwardly switch spots. But for, um, for some reason, he says it out loud. So he's got to enter a code to, you know, there's like a kill switch basically on his car. So he's like, okay, L1, R1, up, down, left, right, right, down, up. And then the engine revs. It's like he shouldn't say that out loud because if she gets in a car again, she's going to know the code unless she wasn't really paying attention. So he's like, all right, Evelyn, we have nine days to get away from this clown, ditch this psych psychopathic hitchhiker and make it to New Chicago. And Quiet points a gun at him. He's like, hey, look, you forgot your seatbelt. Slams on the brakes. Her head hits like the dashboard. But she also like fired the gun. It's like very loud. So it's like his ears like, ah. Oh. Sweet Tooth is like right on her tail. John skids um, skids and drives backwards. He like, you know, does one of those turns, whatever. He's facing Sweet Tooth. Quiet stares at him like, like he's crazy. And then Sweet, pull, Sweet Tooth pulls a nick next to him, motion to roll down his window. John does for some reason. And Sweet Tooth dramatically asks, he's like, are you here for the show? 
And John's like, I'm definitely here for the show. And he starts shooting at the ice cream truck, yanks on the parking brake, facing back, facing forward. Um, John seems like impressed with himself, even though they didn't really accomplish anything. They drive past like a fallen welcome to Las Vegas sign. It explodes. He's like, oh, poop. Sweet Tooth like pulls up next to them, like on a passion side. This big gun pops out of the size. It's a side window, like where people ordered ice cream. Starts like shooting. But it's almost like, does anyone actually use real bullets? Because I don't know if all the cars are bulletproof. At one point, I don't know if it's later, uh, it, it does look like Evelyn's taking some bullet holes. But there's like so much shooting and it doesn't seem like it does anything. So John guns it. They pulls forward. Sweet Tooth yells. He's like, you're not coming to my show? He's like, well, then the show is coming to you. More shooting. John heads like straight for like a structure. It's like, that doesn't seem like the best plan. Then it cuts to this like cannibal, like butcher shop. A, c- a couple guys are like tied up, uh, sitting in these like big tubs. And, you know, one of the guys says, the other, so his name is Stu. He's like, this is all, all your fault. And Stu's like, how could I know that the, the woods would be crawling with butchers? So they're being like marinated, I guess, and like teriyaki sauce or something like that. So then then the butchers start getting shot. And then several armed men enter, including Agent Stone, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, he says he doesn't usually find the pigs alive. So he tells the men that, that they can be cut loose. Stone notices, you know, as they're, they're gathering like guard uniforms. And Stu's like, like, yeah, we, you know, used to be guards. And Mike, you know, Mike and him were... And then Mike cuts him off. He's like, on a scouting mission from Seattle looking for trading routes. Car broke down, and then we got grabbed. So Stone looks at him like he doesn't fully buy the story. I didn't buy it. He says that they're always looking or are always on the lookout for upstanding citizens. He's like, I'll give you guys a choice. He's like, you can try to make your way back up north where it can be pretty dicey, or you can take the grit, join us in bringing law and order back to the divided states of America. What do you say? And one of the men is like holding out two guns. So they take them. He's like, welcome to the law. John is looking over his car. They're like in the building because they smashed through. But it's like, isn't it obvious where they went? Wouldn't Sweet Tooth see a big hole in the side of the building? He says that he's like, oh, I already got a flat tire. And then he's like, hey, silent, but not very deadly. You going to come over here and help me with this? And she's like, shushes him. He's like, don't shush me. He's like, come over here and help with the tire. And then Sweet Tooth can be heard singing from outside. So John says that he's going to handle this poop. He's like, watch my back. And then she like jabs, like stabs him in the back with something sharp. It's like tied to string. It's, it's not a harpoon, but it's like something on a, on a wire or something like that. So Sweet Tooth starts coming in through the giant hole that they made. He's like, you can hide, but I have ways to find you. And he's like, Marco, Marco. Quiet looks at him like, like he's an idiot. And John whispers to his car. He's like, I'll be right back, Evelyn. So he runs off to the side. Marco. He's like, dang, that usually works. He claps a couple of times and then the, the lights come on. Quiet presses, like, she quite pries a, a vent grate off the side of the wall and it makes like a noise. And Sweet Tooth's like, huh? And John looks at her like, <laughs> like she needs one, like she's the one that needs to be shush. And then she like picks up a bottle, throws it over by John, and that makes Sweet Tooth look over there. And then she makes like a, a shh gesture at John, but she uses her middle finger. She goes into the vent. Sweet Tooth like looks and he sees John and he's like, Marco? And John stares back, Polo? Somehow, Sweet Tooth zips over to John's side and he like falls back, starting to, you know, crawling away. He, he throws a glass, smashes on his face. He's like, oh, that tickled. He's like, you know, my dad always wanted to play catch, but he could never catch a ball. He could catch a bullet. So Sweet Tooth aims his shotgun at John, but the shot like hits the slot machine like, 
to John's right. Then he um, tosses a gun, he, 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 all over, you know, to the side, throws a big machete, and it hits another slot machine. And John like punches him in the face, and it hurts his hand. Sweet Tooth punches him back. John definitely feels it. He's like, I'm guessing you don't fight much outside your car now, do you? And he's like, look, clown. He's like, I don't need four wheels to kick your ass. He swings again, but misses. Sweet Tooth punches him, knocks him off his feet. It's like he just goes flying up. He picks uh, John back up, and John's like, any chance we could get this back in the cars? Sweet Tooth laughs, slams him down. Then he suggests some, some kill music, takes out a remote, pushes a button, so it's like they happen to be in the one building that he has remotes for and everything. Like, okay, that's convenient. So he he grabs John's and he like shoves his face against like a slot machine. It kind of cracks a little bit. He starts singing. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like what, what, what? All night long. And then John's like, let me see that song. And he's like, liking where the beat go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Baby, let your booty go. Da 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 da, girl, you wanna show? Da 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 da, and they both sing that thong to thong thong thong, and Sweet Tooth's like, "Do you love the silver-haired god? And don't lie to me." And he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Look, I listened to Unleash the Dragon so many times the disc broke." He's like, "I'm not a liar." And Sweet Tooth's like, "Well, you said you were coming to my show, and then you shot at me." He's like, "It was a misunderstanding. I've been getting shot at ever since I can remember. It's a force of habit, I guess." He's like, sound like you have trust issues. He's like, yeah, you're not wrong. Nice pipes, dude. I have to say, that high note, woo, it, it was perfect. Oh, word? He's like, yeah. Can I go? I got somewhere to be. I thought you said you were coming to the show. Of course I am. I, I just mean, can I leave after the show? He lets John go, you know, off the side of, you know, pressed against the slot machine. And he picks him up. He's like, well, in that case, tonight is opening night. And then we see Stu and Mike. They got to take hot showers. Stone says it's what they get in exchange for upholding the law, like warm showers, warm blankets, warm meals. Stu and Mike see like some guys in line for like TV dinners and they wonder how, like, how did they get those punch cards? Cause there's like meat and like real gravy and, and stuff like that. Stone says like, now let's proceed to your initiation. So they go outside. They're looking down like this, you know, they're like on a hilltop, like a, whatever. Uh, Stone po points out that their supply truck with provision, it's broken down. So what he needs is for them to protect that truck. And Stu's like, from what? And this, the other long-haired dude, he's like, seagulls. Uh, and he has like sniper rifles for both of them. So Sweet Tooth offers John some Skittles. And he says that he has pre-show jitters. He says, you know, he appreciates him coming along willingly. Normally he has to drag people in the theater, like kicking and screaming. And he's like, word of advice. You won't like what happens if you run. And he starts talking about like names and stuff like that. He's like, you know, the right one can send shivers down a person's spine. He's like, you know what they call me? And John's like, there's not a person on West Coast that doesn't know Sweet Tooth. And he's like, see what I mean? He's like, what do they call you? And he's like, John Doe. He's like, uh, I give it a seven. And he's like, hey, I didn't pick it. I don't know what, what name I was born with or who I am really. Oh, amnesia. He's like, what's your brand? Post-traumatic, transient, dissociative. And John's like, all I know is that my first memory is me waking up in my car with blood coming out of my head. He's like, wait, that's my first memory too. My head covered in blood. Of course, it was being pushed out of my mother's whisk, whisker basket. <laughs> but And he's like, whoa, you remember that? He's like, oh yeah, I remember everything. You should consider yourself lucky. There are some things I wish I could forget, like the time I pooped my pants in elementary school production of Oklahoma. It's like I can still see the audience's face laughing and mocking. 
Did you know Cisco's real name was Mark? So we see Stu and Mike are lying on the ground with their, their sniper rifles. Mike's like looking through the scope. Stu seems to be having a hard time lying, lying still. He's like, oh, it must be a rock or whatever. He's just like fidgeting around. Then Mike, he's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, are you holding in a fart or something? And he's like, well, if that truck's so important, it's like, you know, why don't they just move it? And this car pulls up. Stu asks, he's like, why do they call them seagulls? He's like, they look like normal survivors. The other guy's like, what else would you call a bunch of fudging trash eaters? So they open up the back of the truck. Stu asks Mike, he's like, dude, are we really going to kill these guys? And then, bam, Mike shoots one guy like on the left and like in the back. And Stone's like, only one left, Stu. He's like, he's all yours. So he looks. The other guy's just like standing there looking down. I was like, I would like freak out like duck. But Stu finally... He like shoots, but he shoots the guy by his feet. He like misses him. The dude jumps back by his car and Stone's like, clean it up. And Stu like slowly cocks the rifle. The dude's like in his car behind the, the steering wheel. So he still has him in his sight, you know, because they, they pulled up. And then Mike shoots. He's like, I saved your ass. So then uh, Stone's like, seagulls, butchers, exiles. They see the world in shades of gray. What I need from you two lawmen is just to show them that there's only two colors in the world. Black and blue. Now you miss Stu. It can happen to anyone. Rookie mistake. Hey, don't let it happen again. Okay? You guys want some burgers? Sweet Tooth is like muttering to himself. John's like, you, you're like in this, you know, showroom, whatever. He's like, you sleep here? He's like, what, the penthouse was booked up? He's like, nah. Way too much space up there. Nice bidet, though. Like taking a shotgun up the ass. He's like, no, I sleep here because it reminds me of where I was before Vegas. He's like, back then, I lived with a real solid group of dudes. And John sees like an outfit that says Blackfield Asylum, like printed on the back. He's like, you've been here alone for over two decades? He's like, oh, poop. Has it been that long? And he like marvels himself in the mirror. He's like, I haven't aged a day. He's like, I'm not alone. I got Harold. Which have you? You haven't met Harold yet. He's like, I'm going to introduce you. Points to this empty chair, which is actually like a paper bag. He's like, this is Harold. Been my best friend since I was a kid. He's like, <laughs> he's like, all my life, people have been lying to me, even my parents, but not Harold. He's like, he can't lie to me. He can't lie to anyone. He's like, look at that smile. He's like, you got a Harold? And John's like, no. He's like, I got an Evelyn. He's like, oh, that's cute. And he's like, yeah, before I met her, being alone was all I knew. Sometimes I wish I could make her laugh. I have to say, after all this time, that's the sound I missed the most. You know what sound I miss the most? The sound of hand meat clapping together. Nothing like that glorious applause. It's almost better than, or I don't know, hearing somebody choking on their own blood. It's like, good thing that your Evelyn's got hands, huh? She must clap for you all the time. And John's like, nah, she doesn't. She's my car. It's like, you talk to your car? That's weird, man. <laughs> He's like, so if Evelyn's not not the girl who's she he points over there's like this glass display and quiet is like behind the glass pounding so it must be like thick glass he's like i caught this little pest crawling through my vents he's like see i was gonna starve her watch the life slowly drain from her eyes kind of my artistic process he's like you know the last guy lasted almost four weeks hey wilbur i think she's gonna give you a run for your money there's like a dead body in there and sweet tooth goes back to doing whatever you know he's doing john moves closer and and he quietly he's like hey it's like you try to kill me every chance you get why should i show you mercy and then she pulls out his car keys and he like curses then he thinks uh he turns around with like a smile he's like to, to sweet tooth he's like hey man why don't you let her out and he's like why would i do that he's like well what good is an audience of one think about all that meat slapping you'll hear with four hands oh that's true I don't often get feedback from the 18 to 35 
female demographic. He's like, fine. And he hands him a net. He's like, you fish her out and take a seat. He's like, don't worry. I got a table just for you. And there's like a table with like a reserve sign. And what happens? He's like, what happens after the show? Well, you go on your merry way. Jazz's like, really? Well, if I'm being honest, nobody has survived all three acts. Gird your loins. Curtain's up in 10 minutes. So you sit at this table. And then Sweet Tooth, you know, he's wearing a suit. Takes off like two the covers of dinner plates. Tonight you will enjoy white tiger prepared three ways. And he's like, there's a whole bunch of those milky white a-holes breeding up on the fourth floor. Anyways, enjoy. So he, he, he goes off, grabs a, she grabs like the dinner knife and he's like, give me back my keys. Like if it was for me, you'd be a starving corpse right now. She just ignores him and starts eating. So then he decides to do the same. He's like, listen, neither one of us made it pretty far on our own. So instead of us trying to, he's like, holy spit, this steak is good. He's like, instead of us trying to stab each other in the back, we should put our heads together and figure out how the hell we're going to make it through the show. He's like, is any of this getting through to you? And she's just like staring straight ahead. And he like tries like making eye contact, like moving his head. He's like, blink twice for yes. So she like makes eye contact and you know, she just takes another piece of, puts another piece of meat in her mouth without blinking. And he's like, cool. He's like, we're fudged. And the curtains open, Sweet Tooth like claps and then like the, spotlight goes on so you know again he's got like this striped suit he's like tonight i will be presenting a one-man play entitled that's in room entertainment based off the hotel's in room entertainment some music starts up and he's like hi i'm deborah from guest services and welcome to nevada deep in the heart of vegas is a monte cristo a veritable oasis in the sand and it cuts to him like wearing a wig and like holding out like two shopping bags. He mentions like, he's like, don't forget our promenade and blah, blah, blah. He's like, girl, might, <laughs> it might be time to take care of those split ends and quiet kind of, kind of reacts and like, you know, touch it, looks at her hair. Then there's another cut. We, we see Harold. Oh, Harold's also sitting at a table with like a drink in front of him. Like he's watching the show too. Sweet Tooth continues. He mentions, you know, it's being the marriage capital of the world. He throws a bouquet at their table. Then later he's talking about the self-checkout and like leaving a key. I think there's like, it was like a song or something like that. Quiet is like barely awake. Sweet Tooth hops down and it kind of like startles her up. He's like, well, we've come to the Q&A where I ask a cues or I kick your A. He's like, so now is a moment of truth. What did you think? And John's like, oh, um, I loved it. Sweet Tooth like knocks your table out of way. He's like, liar. And he picks up a blade. He's, it's like a big machete. He's like, what exactly did you love about it? He, and John's like, uh, your, your performance. I was moved. And he, he chops off the head of a mannequin. He's like, what? It, it, it was a tour de force. I'm going to tour de force's machete down your throat. If you're not going to tell the truth, then I'm going to make you shut up and bleed. And then it turns out Kwai can actually speak. She's like, it was a fudging snooze fest. And John like looks at her like shocked. He's like, now you talk? And then Sweet Tooth's like, what the hell did you say? She's like, it sucked. Your performance was dull as dick water and frankly beneath you. And Sweet Tooth's like, and you, you agree with her? John like looks at her and she blinks twice. He's like, uh, uh, yes, I agree with her. Come on, man. It was boring. I get it. You've been here forever, but did, you did a play about a hotel. Sweet Tooth like drops a machete and he thinks about that. He's like, but didn't Mark Twain say you should write about what you know? And she's like, well, Mark Twain's a dumbass. You got to get out in the world, man. And John's like, yeah, look, trust me. You don't want to spend the rest of your life alone. You end up talking to a car. And she's like, yeah, like this guy. And Sweet Tooth's like, you know what? You're right. He's like, I can't wait here for my audience. I need to get out there and hunt my audience down. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. That, that's not what I meant. 
He's like, no, that's exactly what you meant. And I'm going to get out there and I'm going to embrace the chaos. He's like, who knows? Maybe I'll even fall in love. This show is going on the road. And John starts like clapping. He's like, that was beautiful, man. So quiet's like clapping too. And then the lights are like going on off, on off from the clapping because the clapper. John fixes his flat, closes the trunk. He sees quiet smiling, like dangling his keys. And then she tosses them to him. Sweet Tooth comes in. He's like, well, it's a night of first. My first honest critique. First people I ever let leave here alive. But most importantly, my first two fans. And he says to them, he's like, I got you a headshot. And he hands them like a very crude drawing. John reads the inscription. It says like, see you soon. And she's like, I hope not. They get in the car and they leave. Sweet Tooth waves. So then we see the lawmen are talking. Stu looks at the guys like with the punch cards. So he really wants those punch cards which that seems like it's going to be a problem. Sweet Tooth pours gasoline inside the club, the, the, the room, and he lights it, walks out with the paper bag with Harold. In the car, John says he didn't think that they were going to make it out of there alive. You know, it would have been a, a lot easier if she'd piped up earlier, and she points a gun at him. He's like, oh, come on. Have you learned nothing? And she thinks for a second, and then she, <laughs> she did learn. She puts on her seatbelt. He's like, what is your problem anyways? She's like, I'm trying to find someone. He's like, well, I'm trying to get somewhere, and I lost a lot of time watching that god-awful play. If you put that gun down, I'll drop you off as close as I can to where you're going. Deal? She thinks. She's like, fine, but I'm keeping the gun. He's like, no, come on. That one's new. Click. He's like, all right, all right, take it. He's like, what's your name anyways? He's like, okay, I'll start. Hi, I'm John. Your? And there's like nothing. He's like, Bridget? Yolanda? Jennifer? He's like, okay, since you're like that, since you like to be quiet, that's what I'm going to call you. Quiet. Is that okay, Quiet. And she's like, yep. And he's like, so you're really not going to tell me your name? Nope. He's like, fine. Makes it easier when I drop your ass off in the middle of nowhere. Quiet. So the other officer dude spots him in his binoculars, a long-haired dude. He's got to have, I'm sure he has a name, but I don't know. And then he tells Stu to, to stop the vehicle and demand to see their open road license. If they don't got it, they don't pass. So Stu raises his hand. He's like, oh, sorry, just one question. He's like, where do we bring him? He's like, oh, and why are we stopping them? Uh, and uh, uh, what's an open road license? So John's looking at the restaurant map. He says, he's like, oh, I never had a checkpoint that wasn't outside a settlement. Then he says, he's like, let me do the talking. I speak their lingo. So they pull up to, there's like a barricade. Stu comes up to him. He's like, hey, ORL, please. And John's like, did you just ask me for oral? He's like, uh, no, sir. O-R-L, open road license. John's like, that is an awful acronym. He's like, hey, look, I'm just a milkman. I'm just passing through. Come on. And you, you guys look great, by the way. I love your shirts, man. Were you like a club or a team or something? Then Mike's like, we're officers of the law. And he's like, ah, angry black friend. Okay, Mike's black. Then Quiet sees the other guy who branded her with the hot badge. She gets out, and John's like, hey, why don't you get, get back in here? She's holding out the gun, and she's like, eat my ass, mother trucker. That's what her brother said. And then Mike tases her, and she's down. John gets up, and then he gets, he starts talking, he gets tased, like, right away. And as his body shakes, you see the watch, it changed from 23, it changes to 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds. So he's down one day. That's the end of the episode. So um, it's interesting, you know, the, the whole thing, uh, it, it's weird when we think about John, because our first introduction to him, you know, he's, he's this you know, smart aleck guy. He's supposed to be like the hero of the show. He's not the nicest guy. You know, he's, he's cracking jokes while he's killing people, but it's, it's survival. It's okay, whatever. But it's like, did he kill a baby seal to eat? And yeah, it's survival, but the, the fact that he just wasted it, whatever. And then now 
you know, he's, he's, so he's kind of like this jerky guy, you know, looking out for himself because, you know, what else would he know if that's his whole life? But then the fact that he's not that cold with quiet who has tried to kill him several times. But whatever. So I, I, it's almost like, okay, they're trying to make him a little more human, make him a little more likable, you know, and whatever. If it was just him in the car, you know, who would he be talking to? It'd be weird. I get it. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. You know what? Uh, actually, I think we're. I'm going to... I So through the magic of editing, I'm going to do the third episode of Twisted Metal. So I was... I managed to to watch it and everything, so we'll we'll squeeze that in. So do three episodes. I know I said two. Sorry, we're doing three episodes. So episode three is NTH Law One. So not not the law, not not nothing law, not and it's probably not and but then TH the not the law one. I thought the law and the law one, <laughs> not the. I don't know. So it, we actually. Um, I, I, I think I really like this episode more than the first two. You know, I've enjoyed that. You know, it's, they're progressively getting better. You know, I, I mentioned the, the baby seal thing in the first episode, but with this episode, I think, I don't know if, if it's just a matter of, you know, finding the grooves of, of the different characters and everything like that. But, but I enjoyed this. We also, it starts off the flashback to 2002. So we're seeing how all of this started. We see like two girls at the mall again, 2002, one got a new ear piercing and, you know, the other one's complaining about her mom not letting her get them because she's so stupid or something like that. But she is good for something. She stole a pack of her cigarettes. Then the other one's like, oh, I've been craving a ciggy all day. And then the first one's like, I heard Gwyneth Paltrow smokes two packs a day. And then this, this like, officer comes up. It's it's young Agent Stone. And he's like, oh, I saw that. And he's like, I get it. Two beautiful young ladies want to be adults. And then the, the second one's like, ew, sketch much? He's like, he's like, no, I, w- I was just giving you a compliment. And then the, the one that got her ear pierced, she's like, okay, perv, you're old enough to be my dad. Which he's clearly not. I don't know if these girls are supposed to be teenagers. They clearly do not look like teenagers. And he doesn't appear that much older than them. <laughs> but so he then he's like well you're old enough to know the law now give me those cigarettes and i'll forget about this and she's like or what you'll arrest us i mean you're just some mall cop he's like no i'm 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 a member of the topeka pd and then the the first one's like oh ooh, i'm calling my mom she's a lawyer then the one who got her ears pierced like i thought she didn't pass the bar and those other ones like shut up bianca so she takes her her like old 2002 phone and dials mom but then her phone starts glitching and she's like what the hell it's like i knew i should have gotten a razor and you can see like a radio shack behind them and there's like some kids in there they're like freaking out because like the screens are flickering and stuff like that and then there's an atm nearby starts spitting out money and everything like that so the girls take the chance they get up and leave and then i'm not sure what this was but there's like rockets in the air I don't know if it's supposed to be satellites falling because, you know, all technology is supposed to be crashing. We see a plane like actually crashes, like, you know, fire coming down. And I think some guy like got his leg like chopped off by something falling on it. And in stones, like just like freaking out. <laughs> so then it goes to the present. Mike yells at, at quiet. You know, he's like so holding a taser. He's like, that's for not doing what you're told. And it's Stu's like, yeah, follow directions. You know, just like jumping on the bandwagon, you know, whatever, joining in. Then John tries, uh, you know, Anthony Mackie tries saying to Quiet, he's like, why don't you stay in the car? And she, like, looks at him, you know, laying on the ground next to her, and she kind of, like, sees her dead brother for a second. And and then the, the long-haired dude, who, who's, his name is Shepard, uh, he says, he's like, strip him and zip him. 
And then Stu says to John, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take your jacket off, okay? But it, it's just a vest. It's not a really jacket. And he's like, I'll give it back to you when we're all done. And he's like, oh, and, and your gloves too, actually. Mike tells him, he's like, you don't have to explain. Just just do it. Then Shepard sees Quiet's shoulder. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, the wound's still fresh, huh? So I think he just, like, recognized her. Then he says, uh, he, like, sniffs her or something. Then he says to John, he's like, tell me, tough guy. He's like, is this your main squeeze or some sort of transactional arrangement? And then him and Mike start laughing, and Stu's like looking at him. Shepard just stands up. He's like, "Send him down to Purple Line." So then they're inside this like big building. It's it's like modern, whatever. They're they're taking. There's an actual line with like turnstile, or they're they're walking by it. They don't get in that line, but there's people like it's like roped off, and they they, they have like sheets of paper in their hand. Quiet seems like surprised. She's, then she's finally she's like, "Oh God, it's a DMV," and John's like, "A what?" as they walk they hear this like you know, older lady you know telling a younger lady at, at the the counter you know at the front she's like you've been detained for driving without an open road license you will now be issued a license if you decline you will walk the red line if you are caught driving without a license again you will walk the red line and john turns to mike he's like what's down the red line and then they hear a man screaming like no no wait ah and, you know, down the red line, and you know, there's a literal line on the floor. And John's like, cool, screams. So they get taken down some stairs, and Mike's like, have fun, losers. And he makes like an L on his forehead. <laughs> uh, Stu sees him, and he does the same thing, only he like, he uses the wrong hand, so it's, it's backwards. <laughs> and then John leans, leans over to quiet. He's like, just to be clear, it's like, I fucking hate you. Because it, it, it's, it's her, her fault, whatever. So Stu and Mike are searching John's car. Mike's like trying to pry open the trunk. Stu's like inside, like, you know, flicking things, looking at stuff like that. He finds like cocoa butter. And he's like, he's like, hey, Mike, you ever try cocoa butter? And he like tries and like spits it out, just tosses it out. And then he like flips the visor down, finds a, like the burnt picture. He looks at it and then he puts it back, which, which was nice. Uh, Stu, he starts talking. He's like, oh, what about Agent Stone? He's so intense, whatever. He's like, I, I, just, I don't like it when he smiles. And Mike is like almost bragging. He's like, Shepard already gave me the lowdown on Stone, okay? He's a legit hero. He's like, get this. When the fall happened, this terrorist group took over this man's hometown. The guy stepped up himself and single-handedly annihilated everyone with extreme prejudice. And my, Stu's like, extreme prejudice? Cool. So then Mike finally gets like the trunk open. And Shepard comes up, gives him like this, you know, like this cool handshake, whatever. And he's like, I really like the way you tased that twat. And then they, they mimic, and they're, like, laughing. Stu's, like, inside the car, just, like, shaking his head. Shepard kind of saw him. He's like, uh-oh. He's like, speaking of twats. And he's like, what you got there, big guy? And Stu's like, you know, you can just call me Stu. He's like, and it's trash. And then Shepard's like, well, you know what Stone says. One man's trash is another. He, like, unfolds a map and, like, stares at it. And he's, like, silent. So we see John and Quiet. They're just sitting at this table, like, in a basement. John's like, you know, trying to, to chew off like the zip tie, like around his wrist. Then he says, you know, he asks how she knew that ratty, ratty cop out there. He's like, Shepard or whatever. Nothing silent. He's like, so we're back to this now? Silence. He's like, fine. He's like, I can play the quiet game too. He sits there. It's literally like five seconds. He's like, why won't you talk? He's like, why won't you talk? Why won't you talk? Why won't you talk? And she's like, why do you talk so much? And he's like, this mouth has got me out of a lot of sticky situations. And she's like, ew. He's like, not like that. Well, I mean, that happened too. And he's like chuckling. He's like, look, out here, silence can get you killed. 
And she's like, silence has kept me alive. He's like, oh yeah? So why'd you tell that cop to eat your ass? And you know, before she can say anything, they hear a door open and like footsteps. So Agent Stone and Shepard. And he's like, well, hello, it's a mystery how our paths keep crossing. My men say you have a darling little voice. I'm excited to hear what comes out of it. And John whispers, she's like, you need better fudging friends, dude. <laughs> so Shepard places like two bottles of water with like bendy straws like in front of them. And Stone's like, go ahead, drink up. So John's like, he like leans forward and he's like, uh, like trying to fish around for a bit, like with his tongue, trying to get the straw in his mouth. Stone says, where we're sitting, there once flowed a powerful river. Then they built this architectural marvel. So they're like in the Hoover Dam. Like my father used to bring me here for the tour when I was a child. The tour was a bit dry. Shepard lets out like, ha! And Stone's like, just a little damn humor for you. He's like, but now the roads have all become wild rivers. So I'm building my own blockade, a dam, if you will. It runs from southern Arizona all the way to the Canadian waste. But the only way through is here. So John's like, wow, cool story. He's like, there's been a misunderstanding, all right? I'm not a criminal. I'm a milkman on a delivery. Now I know you got to beef with the girl. That's got, ain't got nothing to do with me, right? And Stone's like, I don't give a fudge about your delivery. What I do give a fudge about is how you would happen to have this. And he pulls out like the folded diner map. I have spent decades building outposts and checkpoints, but this map manages to avoid damn near everyone. I want the name of your cartographer. And John's like, my carta, ta, ta, my, my what? And he's like, your map maker. He's like, oh, oh no, man. He's like, I found that on the side of the road, dude. He's like, come on, you want it? Take it. He's like, you really think I'm that stupid? No, 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 not at all. He's like, I know how this world works, officer. Oh, a little respect. I appreciate that. But for the record, it's agent. Even better, agent. Uh, he like looks at his badge, stone. He's like, I didn't know this map avoided your routes. I, I, I did not know. Now I do know. So how about I get one of those licenses I keep hearing so much about? And I go on my merry way. And then quiet spits in his face. He's like, whoa. He's like, why'd you do that? Stone sighs, like wipes his you know, face. He gets up. Shepard comes up and like backhands quiet. And John's like, oh, that was unnecessary. And then he punches John. <laughs> so quiet's mouth is like bleeding. And she whispers to Stone. He's like, can't even do it yourself. So he like leans in closer face. He's like, we'll revisit that attitude in a few hours. And she's like, can't wait. And Stone whispers to Shepard. He, he, he says, he's like, get the name of that map maker. He's like, one leak could bring this whole dam down. So we see a flashback. People are packing up their cars. There's like, you know, you see a burning car in the road and stuff like that. Stone is actually unpacking his, bringing stuff like canned foods inside. And then the pregnant neighbor, you know, comes up and you know, he's at his door. She's like, hey, neighbor, you need some help? He's like, thanks, Margie. And, you know, inside he's like, how are you and Rick holding up? And she's like, oh, it's scary out there. Looters hit us the other day. We went to the station for help, but, and Stone, young Stone's like, the station burned down. It's like, the bastards torched it on Tuesday. It's every man for himself. Then you're, chick, chick, and she points a gun at him. And he's like, Margie, what are you doing? And she's like, Rick, get in here. And she's like, get the gun. And then he comes in. He's like, sorry, bro. And and then she's like, check in the back for his rifles. Check the cabinets, too. So Rick's in the back. He's like, ain't nothing back here but jugs. And she's like, of what? Water? He's like, no, like the magazine, two Gs. And then he's like, okay, I got him. Let's jet. And, he, and young Stone's like, why are you doing this? And she's like, like you said, every man for himself. We're getting out of the city before it all goes up. And you've always been kind of an a-hole. 
and she tells you know Rick, she's like, go. And you know, he smashes the rifle butt like into Stone's face, like you know, busts his nose, knocks him out. And when they leave, you can see he has a roll-up copy of Jugs in you know Rick's backpack or back pocket. At the dam, uh, John's like, while I give you points for velocity and precision, spit washing his face was a stupid fudging idea. He's like, I was this close to talking us out of here. Why'd you do that? And she's like, why didn't you tell him who made your poopy map? And he's like, that's none of your business. And she's like, oh, look at that. You answer your own questions. He's like, you a pain in my ass. And she's like, oh, blow me. He's like, you wish. And she's like, not likely. He's like, a-hole. She's like, prick. So, so I, I love how it, there's something about when, when you call a, a woman an a-hole. I mean, I don't know, it's just the way he says, the way they, they like bicker at each other. I, I, I find it humorous. So uh, then uh, Mike and uh, Stu, they bring this like crate down in front of John and Quiet. And John's like, y'all got saws and, and poop in there to torture us? And they're, they're like, tell us, I think it was Stu. He's like, tell us who made that map and you'll never need to find out. And he's like, oh, you do this a lot. Quiet actually kind of smirks at John, the way he like says and everything. The mic kind of glares at Stu. So they open it up. They take out like stacks of like thick paper, sheets of paper, like binder clips together, like slam them on, on, a, on a table in piles. Mike's like, fill these forms in triplicate. And, and then softly, John's like, that's scary. And he's like, oh, it will be. And then Stu's like, yeah, it will be. <laughs> so they both grab a stack. And John's like, so what if I don't know my dob? <laughs> and, and Stu's like, it means date of birth. So John's like, okay, so what if I don't know that either? And Quiet like looks at him. She seems like a little surprised. Then Mike and Stu put in earpieces. And, and Stu's like, turn it on. Then you hear, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. And then John like bops his head a little and like laughs. Your life is plastic. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. And John's like, you're lucky I love this song. And Mike's like, not for long. Then he radios louder. And it, then it gets louder. It's like actually hurting their ears. And Mike yells, get writing. So they actually start writing. And John's like, why is this pencil so small? And Sue's like, that's all we got. Keep writing. And then later you see they're like strapped to like tables like upright, you know, like straps like over their head. And John's like, N-P-X-T-Z, you know, reading an eye chart. And then it's Quiet's turn, and she, like, let's read hers. She's like, F-U-C-K-U. And then they're like, all right. So then they both get sprayed in, in the eyes with, I don't know if it's, like, mace or some aerosol. It's like John didn't even do anything, and he gets sprayed. And then the next thing you see, they're, they're, they're getting waterboarded. You know, they got, like, the cloth over their mouth. Water's being poured in their face, whatever. And Stu's like, give us a map maker or meet yours. So Because you know, they took the, the cloth off. And John's like, wait, did you mean you want to meet the map, map maker or meet your maker and he laughs he's like that would have been a cool line but you fudge it up player and and then they like both laughs I and mean, quiet laughs with him mike just looks at Stu. shepherd is, is there too like disappointed so he motions like you know continue to water so then there's more writing there's like blood on the pages i don't know where, what this blood is from and you see stones there then the music stop and stone's like that used to be my jam back in the day so you have anything you'd like to share and John's like, yeah, I've known this map maker for a long time. He's probably the only person on this earth that I really trust. That's why I'll never tell you his name. You can give me a thousand more forms to fill out. He's like, they're fun. I guess we're just going to have to send you down to red line then. And then he looks at quiet. He's like, and you, you must be thrilled. You get to hug your brother again. And John like kind of glances up. And he's like, to think that he took a bullet for you and you just threw it away. And you can see like quiet, like, you know, sheds a tear. 
And Stone continues like, shame. He's like, take him away. And then Quiet whispers to Stone. She's like, I'll find you. And he's like, oh yeah, where? In the afterlife? Spooky. So they're taken away. And Stone says to Shepard that if there are more maps out there, they could be compromised. And Shepard asks, he's like, do you want me to head to HQ? He's like, no, I'll handle it myself. So then you see a flashback, young Stone, he's like crying and he's like drinking a bottle or something. There's a knock on his door. This old dude just walks in. He's like, officer, you in here? He's like, I saw your police car in the driveway. And young Stone's like, I cannot help you. And the, the dude's like, these guys, these terrorists, they threw me out of my restaurant. And Stone's like, don't you get it? The world is over. And the dude's like, that's why we need you. Stone just takes like another swig. He's like, too bad. He's like, I thought you were a cop. And then, so the dude leaves. Stone, like, reaches into a cabinet, takes out this, like, big, like, thick display frame. There's, like, a picture in memory of Special Agent Patrick H. Stone, father, husband, man of the law. And there's, like, you know, like, medals on, on the side of the picture. And there's, like, a gun and bullets, like, un- beneath the picture. And then, psh, he punches a glass. So then we see John is sitting in a chair, like, in a wait room, waiting room. You know, there's a bunch of chairs there. And you see, like, a little display, like, beep, like, now serving... B67, and uh, then there's this guy that's kind of sitting next to John, and it's like he's the only other one there because Quiet is like actually, it's Quiet John and this other dude. Quiet's like there's an empty seat between them because you know he doesn't want to sit next to her, I guess. So the other guy gets t- gets taken away, and then they, they hear the scream, and it kind of like startles John. And he, then he looks at the like now serving display, and, and then he looks at, at his hand, it's like B68 is, is stamped on it. He's like guess I'm not going to finish this job. Then he starts like pounding on a chair next to him. And, you know, his wrists are still zip tied. And then, then he's like, stop. So then he's like, so stone killed your brother. And she's like, you know, sometimes it's okay to shut the fudge up. He's like, I was just, he's like, you know what? Never mind, a-hole. And she looks over at him you know, after a bit. Then she's like, stone, he made my brother, he made him shoot himself. And John's like, ah, oh, that's messed up. He's like, was he your only family? And she's just like nods. He's like, you know, I had a family too. And she's like, what a stunning admission. He's like, if you let me finish, he's like, I was going to say, I don't remember them. Like my memory, it's, it's not that good. And no matter how hard I try, I can't remember them. I can't see their faces. So you were lucky to have as much time with your brother as you did. Cause all I have is a burnt photo and feelings. And she's like, wow, that is supremely fudged. And at first it's like, wait, she's being sarcastic, but I think she, she actually means it. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, that's why this delivery job for new San Francisco, it was supposed to help me get it back. You know, he's like, I mean, not the family, but the feeling, you know, being part of something. And then beep, B68, that's a B68. He looks at his hand. He's like, maybe we should uh, try and kill each other right here for old time's sake. And she like chuckles and he smiles. So they're bonding because they're about to get killed. And then Shepard, Mike and Stu come in. He's like, all right, bud, you're up. And then Shepard stops Mike and tells Stu to do it. But for some reason, John and Quiet are both walking down the red line at the same time. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. But whatever. For the sake of the show, I guess. And then John's like, hey, listen. He's like, Stu. It's, it's Stu, right? I mean, you go by, or, or do you go by Stuart? Like, you know, what do you go by? And he's like, sh- sh- shut up. And he's like, my bad, big, big man. And he's like, big man. And he's like, he turns around. He's like, go fudge yourself. He's like, you don't think I know what big man means or uh, Papa Bear or, or boss or plus size Polly? <laughs> and Quiet's just like, what? And he's like, or big titted Timmy or, hey, you know who you look like? Oh, let me guess, fudging Bruce Valanche. 
<laughs> he's like, I get it. I'm not petite, okay? He's like, so don't patronize me. He's like, how would you like to be called? Uh, uh. He's like, how are you so damn good looking? And Quiet's like, I mean, his breath smells like poop. And John's like, why would you even say that? And she's like, oh, God. She's like, I can smell it from here. And then he takes his zip-tied hands. He's like, He's like, you know, trying to smell his breath. He's like, oh, poop. <laughs> so then they reach these like big, like double metal doors. And he's like, open it. Go on. They open it. And then ah, they start screaming because they're way high up over the dam. And, and she's like, oh, it's so high. It's so high. Oh, God, I fudging hate heights. And John's like, I fudging hate dying. He's like, hey, 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 look, we're not going to jump, man. And Stu like holds up the gun. He's like, I'm not negotiating. He's like, this is where the red line ends. And John's like, look, Stu. He's like, your friend has a cold heart, but I see you, Stu. You're not that guy. You're a good guy. And Stu's like, either you jump or you fall. And he's like, chick, He's like, then go ahead and fudging shoot us. He's like, we're not going to do your job. Go ahead, fire away. Blow our fud- fudging heads off. And Quiet is like staring at John. And then she like turns. And then she's like, Stone played this game with me and my brother, Stu. It's about power. You want to feel that power? You want to be like Stone? Then go ahead, shoot us. But you have to finish the job. And, and John's like, do it. And she's like, come on, do it. And he's like, do it. And Stu's like, if I don't kill you, I'm dead. And John's like, not a, if you're in, in the car speeding your ass out of here with us, Stu. And he's like, fudge. And he puts a gun down. So they're walking, they hustle. They're they're at the the Hoover Dam gift shop. And he's like, starts unlocking it. And John's like, you going to get a commemorative t-shirt? He's like, I thought you were more of a snow globe guy. So Stu turns around. He's like, do you ever stop talking? And Quiet's like, no. So he cuts off their zip ties. This is the part that bothers me. Because he cuts off their zip ties, just drops them on the floor. So they go inside the shop. And, and they're looking for John's keys, so I guess they keep him in the gift shop. And then Quiet sees, like, her brother's jacket, like, conveniently hanging, like, on a hanger there. And then she also, like, grabs a gun. John, he's like, he's like I don't know where my keys are. He finally finds one. There's a keychain that says, world's best farter. And in parentheses, I mean father. But John's not a father. <laughs> he's like, I got him. And then Stu turns. He's like, where'd your friend go? And John curses. And he's like, fudge it. He's like, we got to leave her. So they grab some gun grabs his his digital watch in his bowl and like he grabs a couple like things of search like some breath mints flashback the the old dude's taking young stone to his boarded up restaurant and stone's like the terrorists are in there he's like yeah and they're armed so young stone pulls out his dad's gun he's like i'll handle this so it's like this jungle rainforest themed restaurant you know there's like a bunch of vegetation and pretend thunder to kind of like kind of startles him a little bit and you hear like like animal noises and stuff like that and then he turns around the corner he's like freeze in the name of the law so there's like four regular guys and they have like guns and rifles and then he's like you're the terrorist and they're like officer so one guy's like we had nowhere else to go it's like you know the grocery stores were all looted we only came here to get food for our families and then the owner freaked out he's like there's enough like shrimp here or some shrimp cocktail or something to feed hundreds of people and Stone's like, look, lots of people are struggling right now, but hunger is not an excuse to break the law. It's like, leave now. And this one guy's like, wait. It's like, I know you. I, I see, see him around here all the time. This dude's a fudging rent-a-cop. He's like, uh, the mall is part of my patrol. I'm a r- real cop. He's like, you don't act like one, telling folks not to double park, sweating little kids, stealing candy. Does that, that make you feel like a big, powerful man? And he's like, I need you to vacate the premises, please. And he mock, mocks him. He's like, vacate the, president, the premises, please. And they all like laugh. And he's like, look at you, trying to look tough. That uniform is barely, barely has a crease in it. Shoes are still shiny. It's like, how is a pathetic, worthless pencil D of a mall cop? And then, 
click, click, click. He like shoots him. He's like, I told you. He's like, I'm a man of the law. And he sees like all the blood and everything. And then there's like under his table, there's like actually like a teddy bear and it's got the blood under it. He's like, oh no. He, he picks it up. He goes to the first guy. He's like, you did this. He's like, I was here to help. You had to resist. This is your fault. You broke the law. And the president quiets moving along the corridors. She sees a door that says like Agent Stone. She goes in. He's sitting in a chair. There's like a chair like moving. She like knocks something over and a chair turns. It's actually Shepard. And he's doing something. So it was he have a jugs magazine? And she's like, where's Stone? And he's like, oh, I got two stones for you right here. And then she sits on the desk and smiles. She's like, oh, are we flirting now? And she laughs. She's like, more like pebbles. And she puts a gun like right up to his forehead. She's like, I remember what your fudgehead boss said about how if someone tells your story, it lives forever. You'll be remembered as a guy who died with his bleep in his hand. And then she starts pounding his head with the butt of the gun, like, psh, 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 like over and over again. And you see his hand drop. He's like, his, his hand drops. He's, he's like looking at like a comic or like, like a manga and his face is all bloody. And then she just looks at him and then psh, gives him one more whack. So, so she got revenge, I guess, but not against Stone. Mike walks by the gift shop. He looks down. What's he see? He sees the cut zip ties. It's like, I knew just leaving there was a dumb idea. You know, the hallway's like immaculate and they just leave him there. He picks him up. He's like, what the fudge you do, Stu? Gets on his radio. The prisoners are loose. He's like, they're, they're the only prisoners, I guess, they have. And quiet's like in the office. She looks at this big map, United States on the wall. Then she noticed like the, the checkpoints, I guess. And then it says like HQ by Topeka. And she like actually like she puts her finger in there. This alarm goes off. She grabs a, a hatchet, but her finger had blood on like on it, so she like left a bloody fingerprint on on the map. John and Stu reach Evelyn, and John's like, "Oh, what they do to you, baby?" Because I, I guess the guns are stripped off and everything. And he gets in. They get in there. He tries like starting it, like nothing. And he looks at Stu. He's like, "Which one of you a holes left the dome light on?" And he's like, "Uh, who was in a car last?" It was actually Stu. He was in there. So then he's like, get out and push. And he's like, okay, you know, it wasn't me, but it was totally him. So they're in the back of the car, like trying to push it. And then Qu <laughs> Quiet pops up between them. She starts joining in the pushing too. And they just like look at her, but her pushing. So then, then it's it's going, John jumps in, starts it. Quiet jumps in the passenger seat, but then the trunk like flips open, bam, hits Stu like in the face. <laughs> and John's like, Stu, you're my hero. We couldn't have done it without you. And she's like, he's not here. He's like, I, I got to fix that trunk. Then wait, he's not, sh should we go back and get him? And she's like, are you pooping me? He's like knocked out on, 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 the, on the ground behind him. Then he's like, you're right. Jello, Stu. And he kisses his fingers as a peace sign. She just glares at him. He's like, oh, you're such a dork. And he like, he laughs, like pumps his fist. Like, yeah. So then Stu's on, on the ground. Mike comes up, like kicks his foot. And he's like holding up the zip ties. Stu groans. He's, then he's like, Mike, they, they overpowered me. And Mike's like, if you ain't with us, you're against us. And there's like several other dudes around him. And they're all like have their guns and rifles pointed at him. Stu just like raises his hands. And so as they're driving, John's like, did they really have to strip all your guns? That's just mean. And she's like, they take everything? He's like, yeah, no weapons, which means I'm going to be clinching my cheeks all the way to New Chicago. He's like, oh man, they took my cocoa butter. Now I'm going to be ashy too. And he's like, look, I need to make up time. So is there any way I can drop you between here and New Chicago? And she's like, yeah, there is. She's like, growing up, my brother used to tell me about it before the fall. People who lived in cities without walls, without fear. 
we were trying to get to a place like that. And John's like, well, sorry to break the news to your sister, but all those cities are gone. And she's like, no, not all of them. There's a sanctuary city in the Midwest. That's where we were headed before things got fudged. And he's like, well, does this sanctuary have a name? And she's like, you know, there's like flashbacks to the office, you know, the map. And she's like, Topeka. That's the end of the third episode. So there you go. Three episodes. Uh, next week, I, I don't know if I'll do three. I might just do two more. But uh, you know, just to try to get this since all, episodes, all ten episodes are out. So there you go. All right. Now the movie feature, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Uh, I, the thing that sticks out for me the first thing is, is like the fact that they went with the full title Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I'm so used to like TMNT it's such a long title but they went with that because I think the last one might have been TMNT if people know what that means by now I still refer to it as that but maybe that's all part of the reason is because this is supposed to stand out as it, it is basically a reboot you know it, it's it's starting over and everything so maybe that, that's part of the reason so, I I feel like I've talked about Ninja Turtles before. I don't know if it was the last movie. I, I don't. I really don't recall, and I, I'm not going to look it up now. But I know what I've said before. Is like I I'm not like the hugest the hugest. I'm not the biggest massive you know Ninja Turtle fan on the planet. I I will absolutely admit that because you know I don't want to try to fake it or anything like that. When the comic came out, I, I did read like a lot of the original comics, like the black and white. And I remember seeing that as a kid. I'm like, holy crap, like what this, it was so crazy. And I, I remember some of the issues were, you know, it would sell out and it was like hard to, to, to come by. I think I had like some gaps in, in my, my collection and I'm trying to pick those up. When the animated show came out, I kind of steered clear away from it because, you know, you had the the Eastman and Laird uh, original black and white comic, and then you you start having the Archie Comics version. If you know me, I love Archie Comics. I'm a huge, absolutely huge Archie Comics supporter. I, I think those those comics are are brilliant. They're great jumping on points for for all you know for young readers. My daughter gobbled them up. I keep them in my classroom. Students read them, but with the Ninja Archie Ninja Turtles comic, it was a little too too glossy you know whatever and it, it didn't seem as that cool to me and then when the animated show came out i didn't really watch that either i'm trying to think like how old that was i at that point you know maybe i wasn't you know watching it as as many you know animated shows as i used to um just time in high school or, or college or wherever i was at that point or not not college <laughs> um but I, I didn't really watch it because it, it just it seemed almost like too too kiddie. You know, like it was not I don't want to say dumbed down, but it was, you know, the whole cowabunga dude, like pizza and, you know, everything like that. I was like, OK, so I, I didn't really watch those. And then, you know, I've seen the movie. Actually, the, the original movies, I don't even know if I've seen all the original movies, the, the first live action movies. I may have seen the first one. I don't even know. Uh, and then I, I saw... Obviously, the one, the rec the fairly recent one with Megan Fox is April O'Neil. I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw the last CG animated one. I think I went with my daughter to see that. I'm totally blanking out now. So, when it came to this movie, at first I was just like, it's like, I think I mentioned it before. It feels like it just came out of nowhere. And I think because it started on a Wednesday on April 2nd, I totally missed it when it came out. 
And so, you know, when it came to figuring out what I was going to do for a feature last week, it didn't even cross my mind. And then I was like, oh, crap, that movie's out? That came out? When did the heck that movie come out? And I was like, April 2nd? When, what? What? And uh, and I I think because then when I look back, I think there was like a a screening like on a Tuesday. I was like, wait, this movie opened on a Tuesday? That doesn't make any sense. So I decided to go and watch it. And but one of the things that that kind of turned me off a little bit in the beginning is so I I, I like Seth Rogen. You know, I think he's he's a he's a he's a brilliant guy. You know, he's funny. He's hilarious. But sometimes I don't know. I, I feel like. Maybe I've had like Seth Rogen overload. I mean, there's still a lot of his stuff that are just like I, I consider classic movies and you know just just hilarious. But some of the stuff that he said, maybe some of the interviews where I I, I don't I I mean I don't think he's trying to come off as being full of himself, but that's kind of how it sounds sometimes. Because you know he did make a comment about how you know because so he's been involved with with the boys, you know, being producer show or whatever. And I think invincible also. So, you know, he, he's getting into like the nitty gritty of what the stuff actually is and should be, which is great. I don't necessarily love the boys. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great show and a great concept. And again, they, you know, they don't have any barriers, you know, they, they can cross whatever lines they need to and, and go all out. My problem with that is sometimes I feel like they rely too much like oh we let's we can rely we can do all this profanity we can do all this profane stuff we can talk about poop or blood or just super duper you know violence and gore i don't think that that necessarily should be driving anything any property when you sprinkle it in yeah it's 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 shocking it's surprising and it might even be funny because you're not expecting it you know that awkward you know humor stuff or whatever but I don't necessarily think that makes uh, something better, you know. And you know, some people always say like, "Oh, the Deadpool movies are, are are good because you know you can swear and stuff like that." I don't think that makes necessarily is, is a make or break, you know, thing. Dropping an f bomb in Guardians of the Galaxy, I it it didn't add anything. Maybe it it, it might have thrown in a, a laugh in the movie. I it could totally it it wasn't needed there. So one of the things Seth Rogen said about the Marvel, you know, he, he, I think he was asked like, how come he hasn't worked on any Marvel movies? And, and, you know, he had a point where he said he was kind of scared to. And uh, the main thing is because of the control. And I, I totally get that. You know, he, he's, I think he was kind of quote unquote scared because he would be restricted. You know, he, if he would do the wrong thing, he would get in trouble and, and maybe even get like removed from the project, you know, who, who knows? But it also seems like, you know, he wants to be able to do stuff where he has more control and more creative input and stuff like that. I totally get it. That's, that's totally fine. You're going to do a Marvel movie. You, there are certain things that you can and can't do. That's, that goes with the territory. Same thing. If, if you write a Marvel comic, you write a DC comic, there are certain things you can do and you can't do versus you write your own comic, your own creator, own stuff. Sky's the limit. You know, there are no restrictions. That's just how it goes. But you know, the, I saw some little uh, interview clip on my Instagram, whatever, where he's talking about Ninja Turtles. And for what, you know, because maybe because he's the most famous of, of everyone, he's kind of like the spokesperson. He is, you know, one of, of four writers, you know, for this. And maybe him and, um, I forget if it was Evan Goldberg or, you know, who are like the main writers and then they brought in other people to, you know, flesh things out or whatever. But it almost sounds like, you know, he's not not even a director. Jeff Rose is a director. And, you know, he's also one of the writers. But it seems like Seth Rogen is the spokesperson because he's the most visible, most, you know, common face. 
And, you know, he was going on about how this is going to be like Ninja Turtles like you've never seen before. You know, that they, they, they're actually voiced by teenagers. And that always, you know, it almost sounded like he was like kind of bagging on the other stuff. Now, I, I can really appreciate the last, you know, animated series. And, and you know, I, I love Greg Sipes. You know, he, he was, he, I think he's hilarious in Teen Titans Go. I've interviewed him so many times. I think he's a super nice guy. He, he's talented, too. To me, he was, he, his, you know, using him as an example, he's great in the role. But, you know, Seth Rogen was also saying how they're going to focus on teenage things, something that the other movies don't really do or the other incarnations. And maybe that that's the, that's true. I don't know. You know, you're talking a lot about pizza skateboarding, stuff like that. I guess maybe that's not necessarily strictly teenage content stuff. Cause I, I like pizza and I want to like skateboarding, but I, I don't, I'm too, I don't dare get on the board like I used to. So, and then even when I went to, to the movie, you know, Tom Cruise does a lot. There were certain movies you go to, they're like, oh, hey, you know, thanks for buying a ticket and coming to see it and a big screen in the theater. Like, you know, we want it to be blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're the reason why we get to do these. And of course, it's just Seth Rogen doing this little spiel. But aside from all that, you know, like I said, he, he's a talented guy. He's, he's, he's hilarious. He's brilliant. And maybe he did push for this angle because this show or this movie does have young voice actors, you know, they are teenagers and you can kind of tell it, uh, the difference, but with the voice actors, you know, there are some extremely talented voice actors where you can have an adult voicing a kid. Totally. It's totally credible. So I don't think it absolutely has to be the fact that they are using young, young voice actors. Awesome. Great. They, it, it worked, you know, perfect, but I don't think whatever. And, um, <laughs> what else were they going to say? Uh, so you you have that. that what I'll, I'll say about the movie, I, I so have I mentioned what I think of it? I did like it. I did enjoy it. Uh, the animation, I really really think it was was slick. It was really cool because I wasn't. I guess I wasn't really sure too much, you know, because I didn't watch. I didn't watch a single trailer for this movie because I knew it was, it was Ninja Turtles, and I, I knew there was a potential that I would be watching it for the podcast, and. When it's necessary, when when possible, I like to avoid trailer because I don't want to know even what the story is. I, you know, I want to be able to go in it and and not know where things are going or what's going to happen. No hints, because uh, as you know, a lot of times trailers spoil way too much. So I watched it, or the movie without knowing anything about it. So I didn't even really know what it looked like because you know you you look at the the posters or whatever. I thought it was like all CG and it is computer animated, but you know it's it's not quite as um as cold as or as like artificial or as like three it's not like 3d cg so it it's you know it's not quite spider-verse but it it kind of has and there's there's sort of like like a mess i don't want to call it that but it's kind of like a messy scribble like it it, it looks cool i thought i, I really like that so I think they did a good job with everything. And, you know, they, they go back, they tell the origin. You, you find out how you know, the turtles came about and all this. One thing I thought was kind of weird. So when, once the, they're teenagers, you know, they're 15 years old, 15 years later after uh, they evolved. How old were the turtles before they got the mutant ooze stuff? I don't know. So they're about 15 years old, give or take, or whatever. Uh, so one of the things, you know, it starts off with them having to go get groceries. And, you know, they need to make sure that they aren't seen by anyone because uh, Splinter is all about, you know, the humans are, they don't understand they're evil. They just want to, you know, they're scared of them and blah, 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 stuff like that. Uh, 
so they they go to do their grocery shopping and stuff, but it's um they're basically stealing the, the food and, and that. Because at first it's like, well, how are they going to buy stuff without being seen? Because you know they're they're giant turtles and they're wearing masks and they got weapons, but apparently they just go and steal stuff. So in a sense, we're rooting for a bunch of thieves. And, and yeah, it's about survival and all that, but um, I don't know about that. But obviously, that is besides the point. You know, it's, I'm just—it's just—it's an annoying thing to to focus on, and you know, that's not what I'm I'm trying to do. So it, it the where I I guess the idea the, the point or the, the part where this is different is you know you you do see these kids they're they're living their, their kids these turtles they've lived their whole lives in in the tunnels and they don't have any contact with anyone outside they as they're they're coming home there's like a movie in a park type of thing and they decide to stop and watch and and there's actual movie <laughs> um spoiler Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, is on, so they they watch part of that, and it's like actually like live action in the anime. It was, it was kind of kind of funny and kind of cool. But, so you do kind of sympathize for these these kids, you know, whatever you want to call them, where they they're cooped up their entire lives, and you know, yeah, they they go out for their supply runs now and then, but they don't get to do anything, and and you know, they they start yearning for that contact and, and just being around others and you know they actually want to go to school but it, they can't you know so you have this this weird situation and stuff like that obviously the story moves forward and then they kind of you know they come across april o'neill and you know they, they befriend her and kind of you know make themselves known and then you got the big story coming where uh, you know, the bad, evil mutants, you know, there's this guy, Superfly, up to some evil schemes. There's also this group that's like against uh, the idea, you know, in the beginning of how, it, how everything kind of started. I won't go into details, but it comes down to where the, the Ninja Turtles have to like say, kind of save the world because if this mut mutant genic stuff gets out, you know, it, it could change everything. So you, you're going to have this big clash them trying to save the city the world or whatever even though they can't be seen as heroes and but then they're like well if we save everyone people will see us as heroes and then they'll accept us type of thing you know but then is that really the best motivation is that, is that the only reason to do things you know it, it when you look at any heroes in comics they, the, the main thing is you don't do it for the recognition. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So there, there is that that theme of that, that that plays along, which which is an important thing. And, and it's it's it is if you think about this, you know, who is this movie geared towards? It's probably you know there's going to be a lot of kids watching this, and that that's a that's kind of a heavy topic when you think about that. You know, why do you become a hero? And that's a big thing that young people would deal with. We look at like the um, Superman and, and Lois TV show. That's the thing that. That Jordan, you know, he he gets these powers. He wants a recognition because he's young, and so it's it's a common thing. You know, who doesn't want to be you know king of the world type of thing? Or you look at you know who doesn't want to be internet famous or TikTok famous or whatever? You know, you you have all that. So it's it's perfectly a totally realistic situation, dilemma, thought, you know, whatever. And then you know, but what separates a regular person from 
being a hero, you know, and again, you, 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 it's, it's part of being selfish, self, selflessness. You get what I'm saying? Where you're, you're not doing it for the fame. You're doing it because you have the ability to help others. So there's, there's some important stuff like that. Now, as far as the story and everything goes, so it's, it's a good story. You know, you got this, you know, you got this problem, you got this situation and, you know, everything gets, comes together as it should. It's a little predictable. You know, you, you can kind of figure out, see how, where things are going to go, what's going to happen. And even though the movie, it's only, like, I'm pretty sure it was like an hour and 40 minutes. I felt like it could have been just tightened up just a, a, a smidge. Actually, more than that. Uh, so I, I, I feel like, yeah, because at, at some points I was just like, I was, I was kind of getting a little, little, little tired. And, but that you know, doesn't necessarily mean anything because that happens to me often. So I feel like they could have tightened it a little bit. And then, um, you know, you get the movie. It's like, okay, yeah, cliche, cheesy ending. But what else can you have? You know, that that's to be expected. And I wouldn't want it to be like, oh, no, we failed. And, uh, you know, the city is blown off the face of the earth or whatever. You know, you don't want that. So but it, so it, 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 it hits all the marks. It does what it's supposed to do. Uh, I would definitely see another movie. You know, I, I'd be down for that. I think there's talk of making it a TV show. So now if that was the case, I don't think I would necessarily watch a TV show because of time. I don't have the, the time investment for that. That's a little concerning to me because if there is going to be a TV show, if it's in the same universe, same characters, I I feel like I'm going to miss out on some character development. And that again, that's like a Tony problem. That's like my own thing to deal with because obviously if, if I didn't want to miss out on it, I could watch it. I just don't know if, if I'd have the, the time to do that. And it's it's pretty. I think there has been talk of doing multiple movies. So obviously they want to do this. Why wouldn't they? You know, this is such a, a valuable franchise. You know, you want to build something off of that. And the movie, you know, there's a mid credit scenes. It does totally tease something. And people in my theater are like, yeah, they're like so excited. So you can kind of figure out where things are going. But yeah, so I I I feel like they did a good job. The movie had, uh, I think it was a $70 million budget, and it made, so far, I think it's made like $60 million. So it's not a huge blockbuster, and I don't know if it's a marketing thing. Again, I don't know if it is geared towards young kids or not. You would think that they would be eating it. I'm sure kids know who Ninja Turtles are because the last Ninja Turtles wasn't that long ago. I mean, are they still on? Is Nickel? I don't even know. But it's it's gotten good good reviews. You know, it's it's like I think Rotten Tomatoes is like in ninety something percent. Um, let's see, it's a ninety six percent from one hundred eighty four critics. So so that that's good. It's so it's it's worth seeing. You know, if, if you're a Ninja Turtles fan at all, you definitely want to see it in the big screen. They're just so that just the visual itself are it's so so cool to see. And you know, there there's little little you know references and stuff like that that you know you can probably appreciate as well. I I, I would say watch it if you can see it, you know the bigger screen the better just so you can appreciate it. If you're a casual fan, you, that might not be for you, uh, or if you're not a fan at all. But it it was a good it has a good story. There's some heart in, into it. Um, I, so I, I had fun, fun watching it. Um, I think that's really all there is to say, cause then the, I get to this point where I, I just start like repeating myself, like going over and over again. So it was good. It's, uh, so, so bravo. So I take back what I said, you know, my, my concerns, you know, about 
whatever. Maybe I was being too harsh on, on Seth Rogen, but like I said, you know, he he's he's a brilliant guy. I, I'm not knocking him. I don't want to sound like that because he. I, I even liked his movie, but the the pickle movie that was a HBO Max original. I would still recommend that. I can't can't remember the name of it, but I know I talked about that on the podcast. So go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's 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 good entertainment, and that that's what you want from from a movie. And hopefully this entire show has been what you wanted in a podcast because that's going to be another episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. I th- depend on them so much and, and the other patrons. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I've just ta- been talking about... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man from the mid-60s. I think we're at 1967 now. So John Romita run. Um, We're approaching issue 50. I know I definitely want to get to 50. Um, I don't know how much further after that, but we've had like the first appearance of Mary Jane recently and you've got Gwen Stacy and Flash Thompson's about to be drafted. And, you know, Peter is about to move out, move in with uh, Harry Osborn or Norman. Yeah, Harry Osborn. Um, last week was the first appearance of the Shocker. So it's just a, a real classic era. So I, I really enjoy that. But I do think I want to do an off my mind. Maybe I, I got to decide if I'm going to do it this week or soon. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G-Man from Heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash G-Man from Heck. Every little bit makes a difference. And it helps. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like you care. So what's going to be next week? Um, that is an awesome question. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do next week. Actually, I think, um, I think Blue Beetle might be opening this week. So we'll definitely see that. There's also a movie called Strays, which I don't think I'll be watching that. But uh, yeah, so so definitely probably Blue Beetle. Um, and then after that might be Gran Turismo. There, there was a, a screening for for it last week, but I didn't watch that. So I think it'll be Blue Beetle. And then as far as I feel, I feel like there's a show starting up soon, or maybe I'm thinking because I know Fiona and Cake's the end of, of the month, and but I feel like there's something else before. So I might just continue. You know, there's definitely another Superman, My Adventure Superman, more Harley Quinn, more Twisted Metal. Um, I think that that'll be it. Uh, like I said, I got school starting up. So thank you for listening. I hope you, if, if you have school coming up or not, I hope you're enjoying the last bits of summer. Um, if you, you don't have summer break and you're like curse you people, um, I hope you're enjoying whatever you can, your weekends, your days off. I hope you are doing well. Hope you're having fun, whatever you're doing. Hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.